Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to tournament poker strategy. And now, here are your hosts, Ron Fezbuddy and Killing Bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Killing Bird here with you, as always, joined by my co-host, Ron Fez. Buddy, how are you, bud? I am good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Back in the saddle again. Yes, uh, we we had the WSOP final table go down, so it's like time to reconvene yes. and discuss the poker happenings. So uh, it's that time. But before we get into that, uh, how are things going? Hold on. I need to tank. <laughs> Let me think about this answer for a I long, have, long time. I have to balance my how is it going answer <laughs> range. Take about an average of 30 seconds to do that. Oh, man. And oh, so it's good. Clock. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, for, uh, for all, I'm sure most of the people listening here are quite aware that the main event final table happened, and it was, uh, at least the first day of it was very boring. Um I think it got better on the next two days, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not sure about the format anymore. I think we have to do something about it um, because it is just not fun for a casual player to watch. A casual person. Yeah. Casual I, player, maybe, but, right. but even and that, by, um, but do something about it, I mean, I assume you mean some sort of shot clock. I don't know. Yeah. I have not thought about it enough, but I know it's broken. Right. Um, so, but, you know, it's hard to do a shot clock. I mean, when you all of a sudden introduce a shot clock, when you don't yeah. play a shot clock ever. And there has to be technology for that, right? I mean, you, you look at the main event on day one, there's thousands of tables. You're going to have a yeah. shot clock at every one of them, like, that, re- that is somehow going to magically reset every hand, and yeah. when does it start, and when does it end, and yeah, players I, are going to say the clock's broken, and then what do you do? <laughs> Actually, no, that's a lie. I have thought about this. So, what I think they should do is just give the tournament director the discretion to call the clock and yeah. give the player a warning and give them a penalty. Listen, th- no tournament director is going to get out of line and fuck with the player at the main event final table just to fuck with them or, right. or any vendettas or anything like that. It, but if, if, if Stern is doing what he's doing and it's clear, but look at his cards. If he's tanking 2-3 offsuit, tell him, listen, you can't do that anymore. You just right. you can't do that anymore. You, you know, and, and it's up to me when that's a problem. And right. I, I, I think we just have to look at it differently. We can't, you know, I think the argument to that as well is the players and how do you know, you got to give them, the, they have the right to do that. Why do they have the right to do that? Like, right. you know, as, 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 as long as we have a fair tournament director who's not going to abuse their power, just give the tournament director the power to give some more penalty for doing right. that. And it'll speed it up. Just yeah. the threat of doing that will speed it up. It's like it's saying it's like it's like saying a quarterback has the right to more than thirty seconds to run a play. Well, no, they don't no. because there's such a thing as a play clock, and when it's right. down, you have to snap the ball. Yeah, but I mean, there at least I mean there there's a clock, right? Uh, and but they play with that their whole lives, and True. they play that all season. So I don't think yeah. that works. I I think you just say within the tournament director's discretion, play must be at a reasonable pace, yeah. and if a player is 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 as a as a 
appearing to abuse it, whether intentional or unintentional. So give me the rule book. I'll write this shit right now. Whether intentional <laughs> or unintentional, the, the tournament director has the right to impose a, you know, a one-hand penalty. Right. And that'll a speed all that. First, a warning a first and then a penalty. And that'll speed all that shit up. And it's not going to, you know, you're not, you, not going to have tournament directors going out of line. I think it's going to, for the most part, solve the problem. And I assume you're saying, like, this is, this is for deep and big yeah. Like, you're not, you're not saying day one of a 1K at the WSOP, there's some guy standing around making sure nobody's tanking too long. You know, I'm not sure, because that's annoying, too. I mean, playing, yeah. playing in that case, like, geez, even, even in a $200 tournament at, the, at Binion's, right. it's annoying when people, like, it just yeah. makes it unfun. Like, why not well, and, tournament directly the right to but, but imagine how many, how many tables are going to be calling for a floor, you know? Yeah. Floor, we need a warrant, you know, this guy's taking too long, and then he has to stand there for five minutes to watch and see if the guy you really know, is. Taking I don't think so. I mean, you've you got to also have the balls to call that on someone, right? Yeah, like, that's like true. you know, it's, it's, it becomes a power. Like, I mean, it's almost like calling the clock, I guess, at that point. Yeah. Um, so it's only, listen, I think it actually does work. It's like calling the clock if a player calls the floor, right? right. Uh, but if it becomes something that's repeated, you don't, you don't have to call the clock. You can just go over to the tournament director on a break and say, listen, check the guy on table five. Right. Uh, my table. He's just taking too long. I, I think I think that's, like, you've kind of hit part of the problem is that there's a stigma on calling the clock. And I think it was reasonable for there to be a stigma for a long time because people didn't tank this long five years right. ago. Right. So, like, I've never called the clock anybody in my entire life. Neither have I. Um, I don't, I don't play don't, as much as most people. I mean, I don't um, think I would either. I think I, I think I think I don't think it's up to the player to to have to be put in that situation to to do that to another player. Like I think the tournament director is part of creating a, an environment that's fun for everyone. Is just watching this stuff in the big in the big moments, and even in the small tournaments, keeping their eye on it. And if someone complains, they can come up to you and say, "Listen, on break, you know, this guy is just tanking every hand." It doesn't happen that often, honestly. I don't right, think. Right. I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever been at a table where a guy's tanking 30 seconds before every... This is just at the big tournaments. I don't even think it's a problem at the small tournaments. Yeah. I, I think it's just the big tournaments late where the tournament director is watching every hand. Give them the power to do it. And uh, until they abuse it... Look, if, they, if we start seeing tournament directors abusing it, we'll get back on here and, and complain about it and come <laughs> right. up with another solution. But right now, um, it just may, it, it, it's, it, it's, it goes to... Actually, an even bigger problem is that it's just not that fun to watch anymore. Yeah, because that's the real problem. You know, and and I I will watch every hand. I I think I did. I fell asleep a couple times during spring tanking. <laughs> I love poker. I will watch as much as I possibly can. But uh, you ain't gonna get a casual. That those days are over. And so this is making it worse. I think there's a bigger problem though that we have to make poker a little more interesting. Um, and approach poker from a perspective of, well, I mean, do we have to? Uh, that's debatable, too. Like, look, poker could just be what it is, right? And, right. you know, you get 6,000 people from the main event every year, 7,000 people in the main event. It's a pretty good industry. It's it's hard to beat. Um, it's not that great for a casual, but it is what it is. Or you can look at it like, no, you know, poker needs a change. Um, it's time to change some of the rules, change some of the way we present poker. I like what GPI is doing um, with the Global Poker League. And if you don't know about that, just go check out the uh, GPI site and the Global Poker League and the Cube. They're trying to sportify poker. Um, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I like what they're doing. I like the idea. I like, the, I like that they're taking an approach at take, taking poker <clears throat> and looking at, at 
at the future of it and figuring out, well, what do we need to do to make this mainstream? And right. they may be wrong with their approach, but I like the fact that they're, they're thinking about it and trying something. Yeah, I think it's a question for like the community, meaning us, you know, and TPE members and professional poker players. Like, do do we want the game to continue to grow at you know at a at a much more quick rate, mm-hmm. or are we happy with it the way it is? And we it's okay if it's boring for people to watch and and for and intimidating for people to get into and things like that. Like, the, you know, we just have to ask ourselves that as a community and decide. For me, you know, I'm a player and a business person so i want the you know i want the community to grow i want it to be bigger i want it to, i want people to like watch it on tv like we did you know yeah. <laughs> 10 years ago and go oh my god i want to yeah. do that and i don't know if people watch it now and go that looks like so much nope. fun they do not it's pool it's darts it's uh you know it's 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 a it's a it's an interesting video game like video games are more exciting now like yeah. you know it used to be 15-year-old kids getting into poker now 15-year-old kids are getting into league yeah. of legend and yeah i mean Warcraft it's which is you know Twitch is an interesting angle on this too, and 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 what can be done on Twitch to to sportify poker. Um, I really, honestly, did not prep anything to talk about this. So this is off the cuff. I know. I know. Um, I, I do think about this though from time to time, and you know, being you know at, at TPE, I think that we, you know, we should be looking at this as well. So uh, I don't even know what kind of statement we're making here, but yeah, no, <laughs> but no statement really. It's it was just like a response. It's a visceral response to the main event from people yeah. who love poker. Um, at the end of the day, we're still just poker fans. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where our, our like, our heart is, you yep. know? So it's like, I want, I want it to be fun, you yeah. know? I yeah. want it to be cool again and exciting, and yeah. it just didn't feel that way. You know, but I, I will say this. It was last year. I loved last year. Well, last um, I year thought was Martin what? Jacobson year. Yeah, Jake, that was okay. Look, I've Blumenfield, Blumenfield or Thal? I, can't, I don't remember if it's Blumenfield or Blumenthal. <laughs> I thought it was Field, but yeah, that Blumenthal. guy. Yeah, yeah, Blumenfield. I know Blumenthal. That's why it got me confused. Um, Blumenfield, I, he, I mean, just between him and Pierre, um, that, that, there was a lot of opportunity for fun. It's just, you know, and, and also, you know, obviously Negreanu finishing 11th. That was, there was a, right. So there were opportunities for it to be pretty exciting. And, and if Blumenfield had actually um, won and had, you know, a better day three, a little bit better day four, it could have been amazing. So yeah. you know, we just kind of kind of whiffed on that. We you know we lost the right. on that one. But yeah, and that's what I was gonna say is this could have just been variance. You know, yeah. like yeah. If, if Daniel makes it and the, and Kelly Minkin makes it, and you know you get like two you know two more like sort of interesting characters. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, but I don't know if, if we should be relying on variance for the future of the sport. No, that's true. You know? But you I, also can't force it. You know, like you can't. I mean, you can't tell. I mean, you can you can t- you can be able to act faster. <laughs> I mean, but you can't make you know you yeah. can't make Joe McKee and like I, I, jump up and celebrate and like laugh and no, you can't. I don't blame him, and I think he was fan- fantastic. I loved everything he did. Um, I actually really liked. Like, I know he gets like, some flack for like you know the, his persona and the way he approached things, but I I, I thought I don't know I, I thought he was pretty funny when he talked, and um, I know like the whole weird hard checking and all that stuff, a lot of people <laughs> off, but I don't know. If you follow him on Twitter. He's a hilarious guy. He's, yeah. he's, he's got a great sense of humor. Um, but look, I, I think what this tells me is that it's time to step back and for poker as a whole to take stock of what it is now. Um, it's been 12 years since the moneymaker effect, 15 or so years since the whole cam 
we are at an inflection point, and you know we will either thrive, continue pretty flat, or decline. Obviously, those are the three options. But um, I think this is the point now where sort of that that will start. Um, yeah. And and I think there's, I just think that there's opportunity for innovation in the game and how yeah. it's presented somehow. Yeah. With technology today, there's just got to be. I think. Yep. Um, like you said, we didn't come in here planning to make some big manifesto about the main event, but I do want to ask one question because it is something that I've talked to a couple other people about, which is the whole November 9 concept. Is it time to just get rid of it? I mean, nothing – like, I liked it when it was like, oh, you know, these guys are going to be doing interviews, and they're on these magazine covers, and they're going on Letterman, and, but there seems to be no buildup anymore between yeah. when it ends and when the November 9 actually yeah, takes no place. Yeah, no one's – well – I don't know if I'm a good person to ask because I like I, I would I would absolutely follow it as it happened live and if you know if you if I was allowed to pay for a live stream of it like I don't know how you would do the the, the, the Tuesday night broadcast or whatever the, the ESPN right, broadcast right. and have it right because I guess you can just show a taped uh, version of it on you know you you run the regular schedule it starts in uh, September. And then it you know runs through to the final table, but everything is taped, right. which is okay. I actually that's, I guess that's fine. Um, and then you continue, let it run um, as as you know normal, and finish it off in Vegas in July. Um, I, I think I heard someone. I think it was on the two plus two podcast say maybe give them a couple days off just to kind of. I think that'd be okay. I mean, it is a long, grueling... It's a long, grueling thing. You get to the final table, give them two days off, let them regroup, fly their family in. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get, you know, the big Penn & Teller theater filled because you don't have time for people to come do that, but that really wasn't a big factor this year anyway. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I liked... I, I do like the drama leading up to it on the ESPN broadcasts. I enjoy the ESPN broadcasts. So, but I would watch that. I would watch the live. I'd watch all of it. So I'm not really a great person to ask. But if I guess if you put a gun to my head and said, "What should we do with the November 9, I would I would do just that. I would I'd run the broadcast, make it entertaining for the casual player, um, make it fun, and then let the hardcore fans watch it live in, right. and run it in July. Give them a couple of days off. I guess that's, I guess that's my, my stance. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, other than that, uh, been playing much poker lately? Uh, not not as much. Um, I feel like the U.S. sites are pretty withered. <laughs> I mean, I actually did throw a couple of uh, – I played a couple of the um, the ACR uh, – ACR, right? Is it the ACR or WPN? Which one do they go by? I guess both. Both, right. Like the, the ACR Sunday <laughs> majors, um, nothing really there uh, came out of it. Um, I, you know, I threw I, – I, I played a couple of the uh, merge nightlies and actually made a couple of final tables, but nothing, nothing, nothing worth – really writing home about. I haven't been playing as much. It's just been kind of mediocre um, volume, I guess I would say. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, still uh, still on the grind. Fairly fairly heavy, I guess. Yeah. Oh, you are. I could see that. I know that. I'm following you and talking to you. Yourself. Yeah, trying, trying to you know, stay sharp. I'm actually kind of like, I think I'm enjoying it as much lately as I was for a long time. I think I've like sort of refound some passion for it a little bit in a way. Not that I ever like totally lost it. Just, you know, you go in ebbs and flows, I guess. Uh, yeah, I've really been enjoying it for sure. I, I guess I just don't like the tournament selection. I still love poker as much as I, I ever have. I just don't like the tournament selection because I can't play New York on the bottom. Right, yeah. Um, I don't have a role on WPN, and I would love to, 
you know, I, we talked about this before. I have no bankroll management on the U.S. sites. Right. Like, like I'm not going to go play. I don't want to go play a $10 tournament. So if I throw $200 on WPN, I'm probably playing a $200 tournament. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's probably what's going to happen, right? Right. I don't want to do a lot of that. So I have, you know, my role on Merge, and I as I take it off very slowly, I move money over to WPN and I play a big one. <laughs> when I think one of those, I'll be back on WPN as much right. as possible. <laughs> well, what would probably be perfect for you is... It, like, because it's not like you're also not playing like 40 tournaments a day. Like, you just want to you want to play a tournament or two at night yeah. and chill out and have fun, but play for decent money. I mean, honestly, like, yeah. you just need to be in Jersey instead of the <laughs> yeah, I know because you could just play like the 200 dollars nightly or whatever yeah. they have. I don't even know what their schedules like, yeah. but I'm sure they have some like 200 dollars 10k or something. I think they have like a 109 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, and you get two or three tournaments in, and, and you can cash out and deposit very nice. easily. You don't have to do bankroll management because you know. It's not, you know, it's not like yeah. you're not, you're not trying to grind a $50 roll up. It's just a pain in the ass to deposit. It's America. a pain. It's a pain. It's, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's really not conducive to it. Um, and especially when I'm playing just the high stake stuff. So, right. you know, I play here and there on there. I, I always, you know, this time of year is also less poker for me. Um, heading into the holidays, I always rev it up, in, you know, early next year, um, and get myself in shape for the WS. So, yeah, prepping for live poker. Yeah, so that's really where it goes. But, uh, but are, you know, I'm not going to be going to PCA, but are you? Uh, I am. Yeah, I actually have two poker trips. Well, I don't know. If, I guess Cherokee counts as a trip. So I'm actually about four, three days away from going to uh, the WSOP circuit event in Cherokee, North Carolina, which... Um, even though it's in North Carolina, it's not very close. It's about a five-hour yeah. drive. Right. So I'll, I'll be right. heading over there in a few days, nice. um, which is going to be a lot of fun. Going to see you know a bunch of TP people make it to that one because you get people coming from so many states around here that don't get to play anywhere else. Uh, so we get lots of TP, TP people coming in. Um, Corey will be there. Carlos will be there. A bunch of other people. Nice. And so, yeah, it should be a fun little trip. So that'll uh, that'll get me through my my poker fiending for this month. And then, like you said, Christmas, holidays, all that fun stuff. And then, uh, yeah, early January, head to the Bahamas for PCA, which will be a blast. Well, I see some shippage in your future. I think, uh, I think your game's come a long way, and I think you're, uh, not that anyone's due in poker, but I think you're due live for a nice, nice deep run. So. I hope you're right. My, my wife tells me that I'm cursed at Cherokee because <laughs> I've never cashed a tournament there. Yeah. Which I, is, yeah. And, and, yeah. And it's not like I've played... You know, I haven't played a hundred, but I haven't played three either. <laughs> you know, I've played like fifteen to twenty, and it's yep. like, it's well, like, okay, at some point, I'm really supposed to cash one. That was that was my that was my WSOP history. I was zero for fifteen, and then I went three for five this yeah. summer. So it's just yeah, it's really not that hard to, to break that many tournaments. No. But it's just frustrating because it's it's your backyard it's, and it's yeah. tournaments and all this different. Stuff. And look, it was over five years or so for the <laughs> yeah. WSOP for me to go over I think eighteen or something. I mean, over eighteen at the WSOP sucks. Yeah. I mean, that's just that, it's just torture, right? And then three for five with a nice deep run. So it, I like I said, I think I think you're uh, not that you're due because no one's really due, but I, I, you know, I am. Yeah. All right, we'll give it to you. <laughs> all right. Well, let's. Uh, who we got on tonight? Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, we're 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 bringing in Danny in thirteen because I mean the guy's just been crushing it. Yeah. Uh, he's fresh off of a massive. Well, not very fresh actually, but sort of fresh off of a massive W coop. Um, yeah, he, he had two big final tables, so we're going to talk to him a little bit about that, and we're actually going to review some hands from that, those tournaments with him. Uh, in addition to just talking a, through a 
a couple of spots from the, the World Series main event, so it should be a lot awesome. of fun. All right, let's get that guy in here and let's talk some poker. Let's do it. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back with Danny M13 here on the Tournament Poker Edge Podcast. If you are looking for the best MTG training site on the planet, look no further than TournamentPokerEdge.com. Tournament Poker Edge focuses exclusively on multi-table tournaments and features some of the best live and online pros. No waiting through cash game videos looking for the occasional tournament video. Tournament Poker Edge also offers strategy articles, forums, a member chat room, and much more. So visit TournamentPokerEdge.com and start taking your game to the next level now. Back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. It's time to bring in my favorite newfie, and I know yours, Danny M13. How are you today, sir? I'm good. I don't know if I'm Diego's favorite newfie. No, you are, without a doubt, my favorite newfie. <laughs> Do you know any other newfies? Uh, um, no, you definitely don't. You the, definitely. Wait, the f- no, I don't know any newfies. I feel like, I feel like I, no, there's got there's a newfie in my life. I just no, <laughs> can't remember who he is. No, so you're definitely my favorite newfie. All right, I like it. I like it. What's going on? You're good. Congratulations on your uh, recent final tables. Thank you. Thank you. Fun, fun to spend you on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, that was a it was a crazy September. Uh, yeah. I felt I honestly felt long past due for yeah. a couple of real scores or even one real score. Um, yeah. You know, tons of run that runs this year. I've had a good year overall, but um, never had that like breakout like let's get it really going kind of score. So it's definitely, yeah. definitely nice. And you certainly, I mean, you, you're one of those guys who puts in the work and the effort, not only in terms of just grinding, but also, you know, study time. You do coaching as well. So it's like, yep. it felt, it really felt like it was just a matter of time before you kind of cracked a big one. And For sure. I guess, I guess WCube's a pretty good time to crack a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't win. I didn't even win. I, but, you know, a fifth and sixth and then... 130k in caches that'll work. Bring everyone up to speed on what what you what you shipped. So yeah, um, so I actually I got on Twitter last minute. I sat down at my computer and I realized I forgot to sell to the 1k progressive. <laughs> and so I got on and I instant uh, and one guy instantly hit me and he's like, "All right, I have I have two other guys with me. Can we all go 25% each?" So four ways, 25%. I was like, awesome. Late reg, get the funds, whatever. And off to the races. <clears throat> so that was cool. Um, obviously made a deep run. Got sixth in the 1K progressive for uh, 34K and like 6K in bounties. And then I I played the main event. The fall, or Actually, it was a week later. I played the main event. And the 1K Turbo. Uh, Bricked the main, didn't go very well. Um, And the 1K Turbo, same guys. I took 50% this time. Mm -hmm. And the same guys invested, which was cool. 
and I binked for fifth for 90. Change. <laughs> that is so, so that lovely. Was, that was really nice, you know. <clears throat> it was, it's just that break that I, I felt I felt deserving, honestly. Like like Derek said, I, I have put in the work, and yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. It was really, it just felt really deserved. Did you like sense? That you, I mean, I guess we always go into like series like this, like feeling good about ourselves, like we're going to do our best and everything. But I mean, did you feel like you were going to have a good series? Um, yeah, yeah. I I think it was the week before I got like. I don't know, fifth in the Wednesday 320, and I didn't play much in the summer. I golfed, I kind of relaxed a bit, but every time I come out swinging for a series and get into it, I, I feel pretty good. I like a lot of coaching. I did tons of coaching this year, mm-hmm. and I always feel that steps up my game, helping other people, seeing all kinds of hands, you know, dissecting them to pieces, and uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, you put in those 70 hour weeks and. Uh, stuff is going to happen if, if you're playing well. Yeah. One thing I would love to hear your thoughts on, and we've kind of talked about this because, you know, we've spent time, like, chatting on Skype while grinding and things like that, but, um, like, for a lot of people out there who play tournaments, they they know, and, of course, you know, like, you go on these long stretches of either incredible downswings mm-hmm. or even just as painful, just, like, not winning, but not, you know, you're just kind of like right. break even for yeah, like six yeah. months at a time. Oh, and it can be super frustrating. Like, how do you kind of keep... Wanting to grind, like keep your mental game sharp and all that kind of stuff when you're going through those periods because it's painful. Yeah, I, I it's it's definitely painful, uh, and I've been there. I went through like an almost an entire break even year. I I don't know if it was 2012 maybe, hmm. and and that was like my experiment year. I that's what I like to call it because <laughs> I was swinging for the fences. I was trying every move in the book. I didn't know when to change gears, whatever, but it. I also feel like that's almost necessary to go through that phase because you learn what works and what doesn't and what's what type of style and uh, lines you can get away with, you know, what works, what really works for you to, to develop your own style. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a problem with a lot of the mid stakes players today is that they're making money and they're so in their comfort zone that they're yeah. never going to reach the next level because they're afraid to change their game. They're afraid to take risks. They're just worried about getting it in bad, like, you know, right. messing up deep or something like that. <clears throat> so, you know, to go on a break-even stretch to learn that knowledge and experience, I think, or, or even a downswing at that, um, there's always something positive to take out of it. So, Danny, when when did you join... TPE's coaching ranks probably what 2012 2000, probably 2012 right coaching yeah yeah that sounds about, sounds about right. right right so given that you've put a lot of work in since then and obviously your game has evolved what, what do you think I mean where <laughs> this is probably a very broad question and mm-hmm. to, to answer but I mean, what what do you think What's the biggest change in the game that you've seen? Where, where's the, what's the state of the game? I guess I'm asking you. And you have a new, a new player. Let's say I was you were going to coach me, right? And you know I put in a lot of lot of volume in the past, but I haven't put in as much in the in the past year. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what would you you know? Where do we sit down? And 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 what would you instruct me on? What has changed in the game? Um, what has changed? Um, I would have to say you know obviously. Well, I don't know if it's obvious to everyone that's listening, but defending the big blind is huge now. Um, 
people have finally started doing that within, I mean, an incredible wide range of hands. I've right. seen, I've opened under the gun and seen rags defend like Jack two suited yeah. from right. the big blinds. Like, right. yep. and I'm not saying that's proper, but that's kind of where we're at. Um, yeah. There's a lot more checking back flops and, and going for one or two streets of value rather than just blasting off. I think people are becoming more aware of, um, other people's ranges and thinking about what they actually have rather than playing their cards for what hits the board. Right. Um, so I would definitely do some range construction exercises and stuff like that. Um, where you actually like, I actually do one exercise where we cover up our cards and we, you can just go through like one orbit and it'll take an hour and a half to dissect. And you, yeah. you basically look at the stack size, determine what their opening range is and we'll go through our entire range of hands of what we would flat, what we would three bet, what we would three bet fold, what we would three bet shove. Um, That's great. Yeah, all kinds of stuff like that. It's it's really effective, and and just becoming more aware of uh, your in game, like the feel in game, and uh, getting your response time up. I guess like uh, off the tables is is definitely key because you know that ticking time bank hurts a lot of people. I think right. Mm-hmm. Um, besides that, um, you know, I, I still think it's a game of time digression. Um, I don't know how well nits are doing these days. It doesn't seem like they're doing awesome, not on stars anyway. But again, you're not getting away with murder at, at the same time, not in the mid to high stakes. Right. right. You're, you're definitely not, unless you get a really good table. Yeah. Do you, um... Do you feel like there's? I mean, I guess it's so hard for you to answer this because you don't plan on any of those sites, but yeah. But I, mean, I watch, I watch you guys, and I, actually, I do, I do go over a lot of U.S. hand histories. So it's, it's kind of, it's weird to adjust, but not so much anymore. Yeah. So you, do you, you feel like there's not as big of a gap, maybe, as there was between you know people playing I think stars and people a playing big gap. Yeah. I, I do. Um, I mean, you're winning. <laughs> that settles that. <laughs> so yeah, massive gap, guys. <laughs> oh, that's so true. I wanted to tear you apart the other night. By the way, watching that, watching some of your nit plays, holy shit! They still, the they still win on the U.S. side. I was in the Twitch chat just. <laughs> it's funny too because with the delay, like sometimes you'll be like, "See bet, see bet, see bet," and I'm like, "I don't know what hand you're talking about, Danny." Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I got four tables and it was five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but it is pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I know from talking, like, uh, there's plenty of people who watch my stream or other streams, and they're like, "Whoa, these people are really bad." <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah." I just think true. like the mid to high stakes on there plays like the low to mid stakes on stars, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like you guys, it's not. It's better for you guys. I mean, yeah. uh, obviously, it's softer. I, I would. It has to be right. Yeah, it is. Sure, my stakes like has to be. You know, I, it's probably similar to what playing like a thirty, maybe a fifty dollar MTT playing like a two hundred on there. Yeah, I certainly never feel like a fish out of water. Well, no, like, that's yeah, no. but not a fish out of water. <laughs> I don't know. I can't really say for myself. I haven't put in volume there. Like I played, I don't even know if I played. I played on Bovada a couple times or something when I when I was in Vegas. Yeah, yeah it just feels like just make less mistakes. You know, yeah, I think play a I solid think game. Just, that's exactly what I I recommend doing as well. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, mistake-free solid poker, and I think you can be a massive winner on those sites. That's right. You know, going back to something you said earlier about, you know, as the progression of the game, and you said people are defending out of their big blind, um, mm-hmm. that got me thinking to when that started to happen, and maybe the diffusion of, of like, knowledge and strategy, and first, not obviously not the first time because people will defend the big blind for yep. um, just generally sometimes, but when that, that really came to light, I think in the 2011 main event, um, if you mm-hmm. remember Matt Gianetti, um, he was defending everything out of his big blind and it kind of threw the analysts for a loop because yep. they just weren't used to it. And right. then in that, that very same final table, Phil Collins was limping. Um, often, yeah. which was also yes, throwing everyone from it, right? And now, today, those are strategies that you can employ, um, you know, in very specific ways and, and often profitable. So it's that's funny a, how it all comes around again. Yeah, well, it start like, if you think about it, there is a cycle yeah. there, because that's what people were doing in 2005, right? Yeah. And then 2011, <laughs> yes. it, was, like, it was gone from the game, and then those guys did those two very specific things, and yep. it confused everyone. And now what you're saying is it's kind of become core to strategy. So it's in the space of about four years, though, it's taken for those strategies to, to, to come to light. Like, what's your... Yeah, like, I, I think the elite guys were already onto it. Yeah. I do, and, and they right. were taking advantage of it, and that's they were just finding ways to beat everyone. And, and right. that's the same thing now, like, all the good regs are... I wouldn't say all of them are doing it, but a lot of people do the button limp or the cutoff yep. limp or the small blind limp or whatever, pot controlling, lots of pot controlling, one yep. or two streets max because that's all you can get these days. Unless, right. you know, in the mid to high anyway, in the in the low stakes, you're still going to find your fish. But at the same right. time, like, if you're getting consistent two streets, it's better than, you know, not even getting one. Yeah, but the, the elites, like you just said, the elites were doing something different in 2011, which yep. is now becoming common in 2015. So the elites are probably, you know, are definitely looking at ways to counter, you know, yeah, dig while others are zagging. And that I think that's a good transition to the main event of this year because, you know, that final table was like the central. ultimate, the uh, yeah, the ultimate realization of ICM. <laughs> and, and 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 how well the tournament world understands ICM now, right. and I feel like a counter strategy to that would have destroyed that table. <laughs> I agree. I'm surprised McKeon stayed in this shell as much as he did. Well, I mean, he you know if he probably had, I mean his his position was so unique compared mm-hmm. to everyone else that I I can't speak necessarily for him. In terms of countering the, the 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 standard strategy, but for everyone else who was at a disadvantage to him yep. with ICM, like a counter strategy would have, you know, pro- a lot of variants introduced, but given given someone a way bigger chance of winning if they had if they had played counter to the what it's, everyone else yeah, was doing. I, I totally agree. I just don't think anyone really had it in them to want yeah. to win that bad. It was more yeah. so about the money. It really was. Right. Right. And I mean. If I were in their shoes and McKeon had the stack that he did, I mean, let's be real. Yeah. Yes, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but a million-and-a-half pay jump is, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not blaming him, um, but I'm just – yeah, I, I get it. I, I agree that mm-hmm. the money there is, like, absurd and, and not, not comparable to any other tournament. But that's just the perfect example of 
like everyone was zagging and no yeah. one was digging. You know, I still I still don't agree. Like I I totally see your point and it. But I don't see that ever being a new strategy where you should be folding some of these hands these guys were folding and they're blind. It's just disgusting. Price <laughs> yeah. you're getting in the and what like what what I don't get it. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think they're all way 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 above me that to the point that I don't get what planet they're on. Like I don't know. Maybe they are, but. Yeah. Yeah. But um yeah I mean how you don't defend some of them hands is just bizarre. You know, let, let's jump into some of them. And I think the very first one to talk about was uh, was the second hand of the of the final table. Um, so, so I want to cover a couple of hands here. Um, and then we have Danny. We have some hands from your the tournaments you just uh, highlighted, right? Uh, to yep. talk about as well, some of your hands from your uh, W coops. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's let's just talk about the main event since it's the first time we're talking since since then. You know the. Everyone came in. Um, McKeon had obviously the huge, uh, the huge stack. Um, I don't remember what all the chip counts were going into it, but he he had probably had like sixty-seven million, and second had what like twenty-eight or twenty-nine. Yeah. Um, so it was obviously a huge, huge um, jump. And I think he had like thirty-three or something percent of chips, or wasn't it yeah, something like that? Something like that. I'm, I'm trying to get to it here. I had it. I had it, and WSOP <laughs> continues to refresh. Every minute, even though the tournament is over, WSOP.com is refreshing every minute, even though the tournament was over. They're still ago. waiting for a ball to act. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, I, I can't tell how many um, he had to start the hand, but the you know Patrick Chan came in. Um, I think he was right ahead of Buteroni and Chips, or they were very close. I don't very remember close, who. Yeah. Who, who had more, but they were both very close in both um, the small stacks. And uh, in very, the second hand of, of the night, um, McKeon, it folds to McKeon on the button, and he shoves all in. Chan is in the small blind, um, and he, I think the blind to two, 200,000, 400,000, and he has about 5.25 million. Is that, does that sound right? I think so. Uh, McKeon has five points? No. No, no. I thought he had has, like seventeen blinds or something. Yeah, he had like seventeen blinds. So, so maybe. Well, you know what? He started with seventeen, but then I think uh, he was in the big blind the first hand, maybe. Okay. Okay. Um. Anyway, yeah. I mean, he was like fifteen to eighteen big blinds, right. I guess. Yep. Right. And McKeon jams the button. Chan is in the small blind, and he calls with king queen. Um. Obviously, Buderoni folds, and and McKeon. Uh, has ace four there and, and knocks out Chan. Um, let's talk about that 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 hand right there because I think that was the first obviously decision point uh, worth talking about. Um, you know, I, I don't know where you stand on advocating a call or a fold there. I I think I call um, given how is that wide. Right? Yeah, I do. I mean, given how wide McKeon's range is there and how close the pay jumps are for the seven through eight. I mean, really, we go from one. Sure. What do we go to? 170. I don't remember what the payouts were, but 175, yeah. 1 million 75 thousand yeah. to like 1.2 million in the yeah. first. You know, so to me, you know, I, I think I haven't dominated a lot. Um, I'm, you know, I think the how wide do you think? Jo- his range. Well, I think how wide do you think Joe McKeon shoves the second hand of the tournament, the final table? Do you think he just sits down with and looks at six seven suited and shoves? No. I don't know. 
No, but I, I think his range is pretty capped. I don't think he's shoving queens. I, I think he's going to try to induce there with the so? shorties. I do. Okay. I do. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm right there or not, but that, that's, that's my initial impression. Yeah, here's, what I, here's what I remember thinking when this hand went down. This is like the one, one of the few things that Chan could uh, sim- simulate going into this. Like, because yeah. they, they, right. they knew where they were sitting, right? right. And they knew where the button was, and they knew what the blinds yeah. were. That's funny. And, and if he got any coaching, I'm sure his coaches uh, said, okay, when McKeon, if it folds to McKeon, he's probably going to do one of the following things, raise, yeah. fold, or shove. And I'm sure they sat there and talked about, if McKeon plays a hand, he might just jam. Here's what you should call with. And they, they must have ran it through, you know, Flop yeah. Villa and ICMizer and a million programs, right? Yeah. I would think. Well, I hope. I think it is a call. Like, in a regular MTT, it's not even close, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say it's not close, but it is ahead of his range, yes. Um, at the main event final table, when you have the best structure in the world and. Wouldn't you much rather be like you do have time, and wouldn't you much rather be the guy shoving instead of calling or reshoving instead of calling? Like yeah. it's so, yeah, the pay jumps, whatever. But it's a once in a lifetime shot. I would never call there. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get your point a hundred percent. And the king ten, I'm probably folding, and I don't know. I'm not giving you any math why. Um, so like, I'm not going to be able to. Because I haven't done any math on it, but it—it's yeah. just—it—it it feels like I have such a good chance of dominating him, and I know that I'm out of the tournament. You know, a good percentage of the time, probably what? What do we think we're out of the tournament? Maybe like thirty-five percent of the time, thirty percent of the time. Um, At least, I'd say, yeah. 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 Um, but but the pay jumps are so close right now, and I have a chance to really make a run for the for the top three at, at this point. If I, I don't know. I like see. I don't know if I think that double up really gives me that much of an edge, like, uh, yeah. versus the risk of busting ninth and getting nothing. I, like, yeah, but I don't know. There's so much time and better, like, just to be able to shove your stack in first, or even be, have a reshove stack. Like, there's. Well, gotta... I'll, I'll throw a results-oriented argument at you. Um, mm-hmm. If, if this were Buderoni, he would have folded, right? Because we saw the way he played the rest of the, of the way, yeah. and he was playing right. super nitty. He would have folded, and then look how that ended for him, right? He never got a good shot, a good chance to shove, or he never, he never got it in. He never, you know. And that happens. Ship, you know, yeah. And that that that's factoring my mind as well. That I may not get a better chance than this to get mm-hmm. a bunch of chips, um, which is another thing that makes me feel like I might go for it here. Yeah, I don't know, man. I think it's one of them spots where you probably know you should be calling and you shit your honestly. <laughs> no matter how many sims you run, can you ever feel yeah. comfortable calling right. in that position? I don't I <laughs> I just can't imagine it. I would snap it the muck. I'm not gonna lie. I'm yeah. not gonna bullshit it. I'm don't not hold it, don't tell anyone. I would snap it <laughs> yeah. the mock, and I would just not really try to think about it. Yeah. And then tell everyone that the camera got the cards wrong and yeah. you actually had like king three off i'll tell everyone uh you guys go back to grind in your 67 yeah. <laughs> 40 hour weeks and fair enough i'm gone on a beach with my fair mom. enough fair enough now what did you think about bloomfield um and the way he approached i loved it yeah wasn't that great wasn't that fun I to really, watch i really like that 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, taking the mindset of a coach, right, can just like... Oh, all... Imagine how far on top you'd be, like, see your, you know, your, yeah. your uh, 60-odd-year-old student firing, man, against all these wizards. How, how would you, like, if he came to you, what would that have been like for you? Like, how would you have coached him and, and potentially got him to the result he got? <laughs> I, I mean, I would... I would do the similar thing like I do now. I, like obviously, you'd run a million scenarios and sims, whatever you want to call it. But um, again, it, it's just it, it's not that when you have an image like he does, and I think they nailed it perfectly with the ace rag, three bets out of the small and big blind and stuff yeah. like that. The out of position respect, like putting people in tough spots. Um, yeah. I mean, once you do it so many times, people don't know really what you're at, and that's kind of that's kind of my style. I really, really enjoyed watching him. Yeah, he was, he was awesome. Yeah, I think especially the fact that he appears to me, or, or appeared at the time to me, to be a guy who was not necessarily capable of changing his play style up that much, or at least to that extreme. Mm-hmm. So for him to actually be able to pull it off makes it just so much more believable. You know, yeah, like, I, when he starts three betting, you're like. Okay, yeah, I mean, maybe they told them to not be quite such a nip, but did they really tell him to three-bet this much? <laughs> you know? Right, yeah. Yeah, I thought he, I thought he pulled it off. I thought it was great. I, I loved it. Well, I it was, was perfect timing, too. Uh, so was I. It was perfect timing, the way he did it. You know, that queen eight, it was, st- it was so early. The, you know, it was no one had, had any word that he was doing anything like this, and he wasn't putting anything at risk at that point yet. Mm-hmm. You know, he could have obviously easily gotten away from it, and it sets that that tone where you just don't know what he's doing. And he never put anything really at risk in doing that. He put some chips at risk, but his tournament life certainly wasn't at risk, and he, he was able to set a tone that he was able to capitalize on later. The queen eight, was that, was that the triple, or was that just... No, that was just a three-bet, right? That was just a three-bet. Didn't he do that same thing with queen eight again? And then he, yeah, and then he did something with aces. Like he, he did it a couple times. He didn't put himself <laughs> too much at risk, and he created that image, um, which, was, which was fun. Yep. Yeah. He also seemed to be having the best time at the final table, yeah. which I always like. It's, yeah. It was brutal to watch overall. I mean, yeah. it, was, it, was, it was brutal. I mean, how? why can't these people have personalities? <laughs> Fuck, I'd be off slamming Coronas and doing Jager. Yeah. <laughs> fucking winging my Blue Jays yeah. jersey around my head or something. <laughs> you're on TV, like, you're, you're also entertaining. Yeah. It's once in a lifetime, probably, like, you know chance just enjoy it yeah i agree i, I agree yeah, at least was... speak holy yeah. fuck are we robots or something like i hate the, the the poker stigma is just awful at the moment it's just like no people don't want to sit down with these miserable humans unless they're gamblers or you know the fish don't want to sit down for a good time because it's not a good time for the most part you know yeah, that's it's not it's not very appealing to the average player right now that's why I, I really like what the Global Poker Index is doing. GPI is doing with their Global Poker League. I don't know if you've seen any of this, Danny. Um, no. They're uh, they're launching a league, um, a couple of regional, creating regional teams. Um, I don't know anything about how you get on a regional team or who sponsors it or, or whatnot, but they're they're creating what they call the cube. And at first it sounds a little silly, um, <laughs> but you're playing like poker in a cube and you're standing. Um, and there's like, I can see you doing this for sure. 
<laughs> zero zero chance I ever stand while I play Pokemon. Lazy fat bastard. With their virtual reality like headset. Yeah. <laughs> but they're they're trying to make poker more interesting for the casual fan to watch because of where it's gone and how uninteresting it is for the casual fan. So they're taking an opposite approach. They want to make it an interesting thing to look at. You know, playing is obviously important, but to create the spectator aspect out of it, and this is their shot at it. So I think that's very interesting, especially given what we saw this this year at the final table. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that first day of the of the final table was so hard to watch with certain tanking. Yep. I mean, I... I love watching the main event final table, and I probably fell asleep about seven or eight times. I know. Times. I went to bed. I was like, you know, I try staying up, and even yeah. years past, it was so dry. that. But this year, I was just like, I'm done. I, you know, it's day one, whatever. I'll see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of Blumenfield, let's talk about uh, his bust-out hand, though. Because uh, as much as I love him, uh, <laughs> I... to watch. That was really hard to watch. And, I, I, you know, I can offer um, a rationale for, for why he did what he did. But let's, let's go through the hand first. And I think we're all going to just, you know, up front agree that it was uh, a very poor play. Um, but let's – so this is a don't do this at home moment. Let's get <laughs> Once again, WSOP.com refreshing on me every minute. So I lost the uh, hand. Okay. So um, we are now uh, back at – the final table with three-handed. Um, so I think they came into the last three with McKeon obviously still way out in front. Um, and I don't remember if Blumenfield or Beckley were in second, but they were pretty close in chips to start start the third day. Um, and nothing went Blumenfield's way uh, on the last day. Uh, he got in a couple hands. Um, I... I think he repped, he bluffed a hand. Um, I forget the details, but he repped the hand versus McKeon. He tripled, didn't he? He tripled blind versus blind. Yeah, he tripled versus McKeon. I think that was queen eight or something, or something that, like that. I think it was too. Um, and I don't he, mind it minus the, the river sizing was, was bad. It was yeah, like, yeah, no. yeah. And I don't have all the diesels in front of me, but he lost a, a significant amount of his chips then. And then it was one of those things where, you know, he just kind of had to knit up and wait for a hand. And you know how it is. You end up with 12 big blinds and... You know, now you're in shove or fold mode, and, and he, that's where he was um, when the blinds were at uh, 500,000 and a million. Um, he had about 12 million or so out of the, out of the big blind. Uh, Beckley's on the button. He raises to 2 million. Um, and I think Beckley at this point had probably like 30-something, 30 35-something. I can't. Sounds about right. 34 million. Um, so it's about 34 big blinds, 35 big blinds. He opens to 2 million. Um, McKeon makes it 5.4 million. And it folds to Bloomfield with twos on the button. And he ships to 12 million. Um, so I don't know. What do you want to say about it, Danny? You're flipping at best every <laughs> single time for yeah. a million bucks. Never getting a fold. He's never folding. Never folding. Um, I think we all know that this is an awful, awful play, as great as he played the rest of the time. Uh, you know, I think the instructiveness, the instruction here is he probably just kind of lost his mind and was in a kind of give up or hope, to, hope something good would happen to him mode, yeah. um, which happens in tournaments, and you really have to avoid that. <laughs> I mean, think about how stressful, like, you know, 
the guy doesn't play poker like a lot of the grinders do. Yeah, and right. in this position, day three of the main event, you are absolutely exhausted, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it happens, you know, 12 big blinds, it, it was bad, but yeah. I, I hate to God even, love them. You know, I feel like we got to bring it up just because it really, you know, like it's worth just calling out for listeners. But yeah, I love the guy. I, <laughs> I think. I mean, I was rooting for him all the way. Um, the way he played to get to third place was phenomenal. Um, it, I don't think. It, I don't think his his like his legacy from this was diminished by the way he went out. Uh, but obviously, not a great play busting out. Sorry. Yeah, you, you almost. Like at first, I almost wondered if maybe he didn't realize just quite how short he was, and he thought he had a little more fold equity than he did. But I think he was more just frustrated. Yep. Yep. And, and kind of just lost his composure for just yep. a brief second, and that's all it took. And you see the chips in the middle, and you're like, "Well, you know what? I, I may. I, hey, I'm probably flipping here. Right. And uh, I'm just gonna go for it. I, you know, it's just the, the psychology of it. We've all been there. It's happened to every one of us. Sure. It only yep. takes one hand to ruin your tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and that's didn't ruin his tournament by any means, but it is yeah. bust out. It, yep. It's not proper. Yep. Uh, you're getting called. Don't put yourself in that spot. Just be the first one to shove or find a good reshove or call off when you actually have it. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. He still had a little bit of time. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he had a shot to put it in first. I mean, I know it's yeah, counting what I... He could believe. shove his button or a shove line. That's right. Line or That's whatever. right. And then he has 16 big blinds and, you know... Mm-hmm. Is there an amount where you're at, you are getting it in here? Like, if you have 22K, are you jamming deuces? Or are you just always folding deuces in this spot? Uh, 22K is still not enough. Yeah. That would be, what, 11 big blinds? Or no, no, no. That would be, no, it'd be, like, 22, it'd be 22 big blinds, I guess. Oh, oh that's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I still... Huh. Because then all of a sudden it becomes like just such a perfect three bet spot for McKeon that you're kind of like, ooh. This is something on, like <laughs> mid stages of a tournament, maybe <laughs> at a main event final table, probably not in your best interest. Yeah, right. Makes sense. Because I mean, I, I can certainly see spots where I'm shoving some small pairs here, but yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe not when you're three handed. Yeah, I mean, he would have fold equity in that spot, and it's a pair of three handed. <laughs> um, but again. He didn't have fold equity, yeah. and he's getting called. So, yeah. And I guess the last hand, quickly to talk about with the main event, was Josh Beckley with the Jacks. All right, I have the uh, the hand history here in front of me, actually. So we are four-handed at this point. Uh, the blinds are 400, 800K. Um, everybody is 30 big blinds deep or more, uh, but the two sort of opponents in this hand, Beckley, has $42 million, and McKean has $95 million. Again, we're at 400 k So they're, they're super deep, both of them. Are super yeah. Deep. yeah. Um, so Steinberg folds. McKean's on the button. Uh, he makes it $1.6 million, pretty standard, obviously. Um, and then Blumenfield folds, and Beckley's in the big blind with Jack. So before we, I guess before we get to his action, what are you doing here, Danny? With Jacks in this particular as well. <clears throat> I mean, it seems pretty bad at the main event final table to be three betting to five bet or <laughs> three betting to seven bet or whatever. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so without a plan, I, I mean, I would just defend here almost every time. Mm-hmm. I I don't see the purpose. Like, what you're going to three bet 
and get him to fold. What's the point of you're wasting Jacks like and right. and eliminating his bluffs and and his blast off hands and stuff like that? Um, you're gonna win a small pot or you're gonna be in a weird spot. So right. Either way, three betting accomplishes almost nothing in this hand, yeah. in my opinion. Um, I would flat here almost every time with the given stacks. Like, I mean, clearly McKeon's going to be four betting this spot a lot when you are the guy to be abusing with the two guys shorter than you. He's going to want to. The chip yeah, lead's going to yeah. pick on the second place stack all day. Right. Yeah, and you know, I think I, this just takes me back to like six years ago playing online, right? Like, I would get in these wars at this spot exactly, and I would, I, I'd get it all in here with the jacks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it just, it, it's like, you know, level versus level, and, and wasn't online, against, you can do that too, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Online, you can do that. But even still, 50 big ones, I yeah. don't really ever really recommend getting that in with jacks, unless yeah. you have a very, very crazy history, and you know your opponent to piece. Obviously, he does, but McKeon's not, like, spazzing out here with an air ball versus him, like, getting it in 50 bigs. But right. McKeon has such a great spot here to 4-bet four four bluff if he's, you know... Anything. It, yeah. Yeah. Anything. I mean, look, if Beckley's folding jacks, which is what ends up happening, McKeon could abuse the hell out of here. Not saying that he needs to. Maybe that's not the best, you know, it's probably plus EV, but maybe not the best play, you know, in the long run for him to continue to do that here. Um, but he can. If he, you know, if he's going to put Beckley, I don't, know if, I don't know if he ever put Beckley on folding jacks here, but if he does, McKean could show up with anything here. Yep. Right. Also, McKean could flat a very, very wide range of yeah. hands here and outplay Beckley in a heartbeat. That's that's why I don't. That's the that's one of the main reasons why I don't like it as well. You're going to play it, a great player out of position yeah. with jacks. It's one of the most frustrating hands I've watched on TV. I think because yeah. it's just like. You know, you've you've come into this final table, done in incredible amounts of prep with sickos, and then you do something like this with no plan. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah. So now, let me ask you: once he does it, right? Like, you know, everyone everyone loses yeah, their sure. mind from time to time. Everyone, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's entitled. He may have pre- prepared for this, but you know, may not have remembered what he was going to do, and then well, pressure can take over in the moment and all that. Yeah. Tired, fatigue, whatever. A lot of times, then you're like, "Oh shit, what did I just do?" Right? And is it okay to to is it okay to just fold here then? After the, what to the to the to the four bet? Um, Absolutely not. So you so. think he has to get it in here, given what we said? I mean, he has a flat or, or minimum. Flat minimum. Sorry, right, right. Now he doesn't have to get it in. I would flat. I mean, yeah. you keep like think about the get in range again. McKeon's not getting in any worse than Ace King, and he might, he's probably not even getting that in. Right. For 50 plus, he might fold Ace King to a five bet, which is bizarre. But I bet he would. So is that right. is that more of an argument for a five bet or or just a flat here? Oh, I mean, why would you want to eliminate his bluffs if you're five betting? Right. So you're you're getting him to six bet or like what? If yeah. he five bets, McKeon could even flat aces or whatever and just yeah. you know. Yeah, this is this is why it's such a shitty. And just really destroy his soul. Right. I mean, if you five bet here, what? How is the action going to proceed? You're just you're yeah. getting you're only only two hands you're trying to fold out are ace queen and ace right. king. Yeah, and he's never shoving the nines no. or eights here. So right, so flatting is better. Um, but the only thing that just sucks about flatting is that there's 20 million in the pot pre-flop, right? Mm-hmm. And 
now you're going to the flop with a stack to pot ratio of 1.5 to 1, right? And I would almost set hunt. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was going to get. That's exactly what I was getting at. You know, uh, you know, the flop comes, you know, queen XX or king XX or ace XX. Like, you know, this is why people hate jacks, right? This is why Norm, Norman Chad always jokes about how awful <laughs> jacks are, right? Yeah, yeah. But you have so many chips in the pot, but you kind of have to just give up if, if you don't hit. Or that's fine. Right. Right, and that's what I'm getting at. Is that fine at this you're point? You're still in second place, are you not? Yeah. Uh, you're a million behind Bloomfield, but yeah. Okay, well, well whatever. So, yeah. Know, right. You still have 40, 43, 44 big blinds or something yep. like that? And then if the flop is, is low, are low cards, then you can just let uh, let. Let uh, McKeon bluff. Yep, exactly. Let it bluff, and then you take it off there, right? I mean, that's yeah, I mean it's not like if it comes 2-3-6 and McKeon has ace-queen, I don't think he's just going to triple barrel blast off ace-high right. either. Right. Like, right. when Beckley check calls, um, McKeon's probably shutting down a lot of the time because it's going to be so unbelievable to, um, to Beckley that McKeon actually has something. So, so if... If we go to the flop and the flop is something like uh, two six queen, we check. Are you advocating a call there and see what he does two, in the turn? Two six queen. That's yeah. That, uh, two six three or something. I would definitely continue. Uh, two yeah, six yeah, yeah. queen. I, I could probably, like I said, I, I might strictly set hunt in this spot. I just I might just shut down there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't. I'm not sure. I, I didn't understand. That is. I and because what like. At this point, in my opinion, your range is fairly face-up. Right. Um, you might, I don't know, see. Uh, you might have to call one street, I guess, but every time McKeon double barrels, what the hell are you going to do? Well, that, you yeah. you expect the worst. So, yeah. and, and more than likely, the worst is coming from a player um, yeah. well as McKeon. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because if your hands are face-up, then McKeon can really exploit your hair. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's also, it's like also that. much easier if you just put in 800k and then yeah. play, play a nice small little pot with a really nice hand. <laughs> yeah, I just I just think it's still hard for people who've been playing a while, you know, who may not have. Uh, you're looking at jacks three-handed, and like this is the situation where you have to think through your situation deeply and not be on an autopilot or yes. just look at your cards and play your cards. Like yeah. this is this is a classic situation where you have to really consider everything. Not yeah, just what you have. And stack size is is the key point in this hand. Yeah. Um yeah. if you had thirty big blinds in this spot, obviously you're gonna three bet get in thirty big blinds with jacks. Right. If you right. had anything under thirty big blinds, like anything over thirty, I would probably just flat still. Yeah. But thirty would probably be my cutoff in case people are wondering. I mean, you know, 31, 32, something like that. But anything of that, I'd always be flatting because you're in the danger zone every time he uh, he five bets. Yeah, I was gonna say this might be the one good time where it's actually advisable to take a minute to decide. <laughs> like, but unlike some of the hands that people were taking minutes to decide on, this would have been a good one to sit there and think about for a second. Yeah, um, sure. he did. He was pretty. And the thing about this hand that amateurs and and not really high-level think, thinking players struggle with, is that we, like I said in the beginning, you're winning a small pot or you're putting yourself in a sticky situation. Most people just look at jacks and say, oh, strong hand, three bet. Right. right. That's what so, I was 
you know, you need to start thinking on that higher level. Stack size is very important. Your position is very important. Your position in the tournament is very important, um, especially at a final table. If you're sitting in second, you do not want to make mistakes. You do not want to lose chips. You want yeah. to outlast the other two people left and get second place or and then go for the gold. Right. So Yeah, at least guarantee yourself at least second. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you have to be very very aware of these situations and stack size is very, very, very key in in whether to get it in, what's good, whether to three bet, whether to four bet, five bet, whatever. Yeah. Overall, what did you guys think of Beckley's play in general? Because obviously he was coached by Dip Throng, who's mm-hmm. you know done some work for TP and stuff. Were you guys pretty impressed with the way he played? I think his composure was really good. Yeah, he, I, he was impossible to read. Yep, I very mean, solid. Like, you could not like he was really ice cold. Like you could not get anything off of him. Yeah, I thought he played pretty well. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, he was he was pretty good. I mean, uh, there was one point where he was like six out of seven, and he ended up in second, right? So yeah, yeah, he's. Or maybe he started six out of nine. I don't know, but he he definitely played pretty well, laddering and played pretty smart. And you know, he I don't recall the hands, but I do recall he played one or two hands really well. And this was the one where I just didn't think he he played it that great. But yeah, well, yeah. I I haven't played many final tables recently where I played flawlessly. So yeah, yeah, I'm not going to rip on him too yep. much. <laughs> McKeon minus his actual image and attire. Um, he was absolutely phenomenal. In my yeah. Opinion. He was. <laughs> he played absolutely near perfect. Yep. I mean, every, his sizing, his lines, he yep. always knew what he was doing. Yep. Um, I, he just never, he never made a mistake. Yep. Yeah. I, I, yeah, props to him, but put on some decent clothes for fuck's sake. <laughs> Between how he played and how he ran, there was just... There was like no chance he was ever losing this tournament. <laughs> the way he, the way he ran, and the way he played, it was. It was he, really, he really did run <laughs> well. Which, uh, it, but it is a little bit of that classic. Like you put yourself in a position to yeah. run well because yep. you can call with some flips yep. or even some like sixty forties. Yeah. Because you have the chips to afford it, and you know you get there. Yeah. But at the same, like you know, people go into the final table with the chip lead, and the chip lead hasn't won in what they said X amount of years, or, or like. In a really long time, I think people get too anxious, try to do too much. He just stayed super composed. Like yeah. it's just another day at the office to him. Yep. I think it was Duhamel who won the last chip leader. I can't yeah, remember, but I think it was Duhamel. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for uh, covering the main event with us. Uh, why don't we talk about some hands from your recent uh, final tables? Okay. Um, what do we? So got? you know what, Danny? Before we get in, into that. You know, I think the key here is that this was a progressive knockout, um, and I don't know the how first much. First one, yep. I was two hands a, from that. Yeah, was so. I I don't know how how long um, progressive knockouts have been in the W Coop, or if they're just a staple now in in most people's schedule. But I've I don't think I've ever played one. Um, so, and I'm guessing okay. there's probably a lot of people who haven't. So, any basics there that we should know about if we're gonna play one? Well, first I'll explain how they work. Um, Basically, the the prize pool is split into two. Um, 50% goes into the, the you know your main prize pool, and 50% goes into the bounties. Now everyone starts with an equal bounty. For example, this was a thousand dollar tournament. Um, 500 goes into the prize pool. 500 goes on everyone's head. If you knock someone out, you get half of their bounty immediately. 
So, for example, I knock uh, the guy out right away. I'll get 250 bucks, and 250 goes on my head. Right. So that 250 plus 500 will be 750. And if someone knocks me out, they get half of that, and so on. So they get 375. 375 goes on their head, and it progresses right to the end when you have, you know, <coughs> excuse me, uh, like you know, 20, 30k bounties at the end of it. I'm guessing there's a huge edge to be had here for the good players. Yeah, there there is because number one, it attracts the fish. Yeah, right. Uh, like, <laughs> right. Who who doesn't love knocking someone out of a tournament? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. and getting a bunch of money from it. That's yes, right. <laughs> like you can you can knock six or seven guys out, not even cash, and you're up, you know, four or yeah. five buy-ins or something like right. that. Right. Right. It's pretty crazy. Um, so besides that, obviously ranges change. Um, you need my strategy is to get in there, you know, play fairly solid in the beginning if it's deeper. Um, the turbo ones are really fun because you can just, you know, call off with marginal hands and go for that stack and those bounties mid stages and then right go for the win and massive bounties kind of thing. But my strategy coming in, coming into this 1K is to play fairly solid, you know, not go too crazy with the bounties until antis kick in. Um, you have to realize in a 1K, people know that people are bounty hunting as well. So you can wait and wait and wait. And even if you blind down to like eight big blinds and wait for a hand, right. someone's going to call you because they yeah. have to. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. your equity's crazy. If you've got a... You know, if you've got a $1,000 bounty on your head and they pocket half their buy-in for knocking you out for eight big blinds, they'll call with any two. Right. And similarly, you're not going to get a lot of you're not going to get a lot of folds, so you have to be really selective about what you yes. use. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes sense. So, yeah, overall, solid in the beginning. Pretty maniacal and uh, maniacal maniacal. Um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great word. <laughs> that, that's why you're my favorite newfie. <laughs> that's what we call a maniacal. Um, oh god, that's retarded. Um, pretty savage, <laughs> mid stages. You mean Bounty savage? Savage. Savage. <laughs> savage by. Uh, yeah, shut it. <laughs> um. And then again, late stages. So, so late stages are is the interesting concept. You've got these massive bounties lingering. Mm-hmm. So, and then you've got this massive prize up top, right. and the pay jumps and all that stuff. Especially in a one k, like you know, pay is pretty that. It's play. The prize pool is like a five hundred dollar MTT, a massive MTT at, right. at the end of it. So you don't want to screw up your stack being a hero and going for a bounty. Right. You really don't want to do that. So I I don't know. I've talked to some guys, and we're all kind of in the same mindset that playing your normal late-stage game is better than bounty hunting. Um, sometimes, you know, if you do go bounty hunting, it'll work out for you because you'll get the stack and the bounty. But if you risk those chips and, and your position in the tournament, you know, you're going to get the bounties at the end of it if you win anyway. Right. When you get heads up and you play that guy who's after knocking everyone out, you're going to get half his bounty anyway. It's going right. to be massive. Right. So you might as well get top prize plus half of that guy's bounty <laughs> rather than bust Joe, who knows, whoever, you know, and, and win 2K late in the tournament just because right. it feels good. But, but, like, but I, part, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say part of the strategy, I guess, too, is probably figuring out who is bounty hunting and who isn't. Oh, right? sure. Yeah. Definitely. Like trying to figure out, okay, this guy is clearly like targeting, you know, these three short stacks or whatever, and utilizing that in your favor. Yeah, you got to be you got to be careful with your opens if people are aware that you're bounty hunting. That's for sure, and, yeah. and you know, vice versa. Um, so I guess we'll get to the hands. Yeah, but and while you're loading it, but similar to what we just discussed with the Beckley Jacks hand, I'm sure there are situations, and I think we're going to look at one that arise that completely throw the sort of standard defy the <laughs> defy the hey here's you know of a regular MTT type right, give, given how much money could be at stake um, in a particular spot, so I, I think yep. it's a good segue into one of the hands uh, if you want to walk us through it. Sure. Um, yeah, we're gonna save that one because I want to. Okay. I want to talk about one that happened early on that propped me up to okay. position to make a run at this tournament. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um. So okay, we are at one fifty three hundred. I've got a really good stack going. I believe the starting stack in this was. I'm gonna say five k. That's what okay. the normal Thursday thrill is. Anyway, this it might have been ten k, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was five. Um. So we've got 83 big blinds. Antis are in. Um, there are three stacks at my table under 20 big blinds. Um, I believe Nanonoko has already knocked someone out, so he's got the 750 bounty, meaning if you knock him out, he's got, uh, you get 375. He's got 16 big blinds. He's in uh, middle position. The small blind has 12 big blinds. I'm pretty sure he had just a regular bounty. The big blind has 18 big blinds, and he might have had one similar to Nanonoko or something like that. So the first hand, we actually get a limp under the gun. Uh, Some random guy limps. And then we have another limp. And then we have myself with aces. Hmm. With three three squeeze stacks behind me. Yeah. So I'm on 83 big blinds. I think the standard here would be to, um, you know, make it 4x, I guess, where we're so deep, stacks are so deep. The guy, right. the limper has 43, the the second guy has 130 big blinds. I've got 83, so clearly the the standard would be to... Make it twelve hundred, thirteen, fourteen hundred, something like that. So at one fifty three hundred, most most would make it about fifteen hundred here, I think. Yeah, yeah, something like twelve to fifteen for sure. Anywhere in there is fine. Um, so I actually limp. I over limp aces. Now I know this could end up tragic, but not really because I I can fold aces. I have eighty three yeah. big blinds. I don't, you know, you you get aces, what? Maybe three or four times in a tournament, right? Yeah. If that, so you need to definitely take advantage of them. And the, my thought process in this particular hand was, okay, number one, I'm never, I never have aces here in anyone right. else's eyes. Never, ever, ever are they going to put me on over limping aces to an under the gun limp, under the gun one limp, and now I'm limping under the gun plus two. Right. I've got three stacks behind me. Clearly, it's a progressive super knockout. So. What I'm thinking, I've got three squeeze stacks. I don't know if I said that. But I've got three of those, and I've also got a Maniac Tonka. He's got 92 big blinds in the hijack. I've got another reg with 44 in the cutoff. 
I've got another guy with 115 on the button, and then I've got two squeeze stacks, small right. and big blind. So I'm I'm letting I'm leaving the door open for anyone who wants to come in. Basically, you're you're like 90 percent certain that there's going to be something's like, going to happen. Something to be <laughs> yeah. right. Given given what you just said, um, what if? Let me just throw a scenario out here to, to consider. Because what if it doesn't get shoved by one of these squeeze stacks, but like Tonka, who has, like you said, 90 big blinds, yep. he makes it 1,800 mm-hmm. or 2,200, um, and he's going to be in position. Do you, do you then go to war with him? You I know? would definitely not go to war because okay. he's going to know what I have then. Uh, right. If it goes limp, 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 and he, he ISOs the 6 or 7x, and yeah. then I... I Back raise again. I mean, okay, yeah. Then he knows. So you're gonna let him. You're gonna, I'm gonna let flat him. all day. If we get heads yeah. up at that point, I'm flatting one million percent. And flatting and letting. Yep. He can yep. blast and blast and blast. Right. Okay. That was that was my question. Okay. Yeah. Um, but we're banking on most likely one of these squeeze stacks is gonna do something. Um, what you know? What about the whole concept of? You know, I mean, I guess you addressed it by saying you can get away from aces, but. You know, playing aces with seven, seven potentially seven players yeah, here. and I yeah. mean, you just got to proceed cautiously. It's not like, oh, we have aces, let's triple barrel blast off. Yeah. That's not really what it is. You know, you have to really consider people's potential ranges, yeah. uh, the action. You know, if it goes bet, raise, you on a, like a six, seven, ten board, I'm folding. Yeah, right. Because someone has a set, or someone has a straight, or someone has two pair, or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and that's fine. So what? It cost me one big blind, or you know, one big blind up to this point. Right. Yep. Yeah, I have aces, but we we have eighty three big blinds. We're in the tournament. We're swinging. We're doing right. great. I am just taking a spot in an unorthodox style to potentially prop me to chip lead or get a KO and, and get some yeah. equity back in the in the tournament and. Um, you know, there's something to be said for having a bigger bounty on your head, too. Right. Because, oh, right. because people are gunning for you then, so then you yep. kind of got to switch up your style of play because if you play tighter then, people are gunning for you and you just have it, you know, they're going to blast off trying to get you that bounty if they if they have you covered or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, it's just it's super low risk but high reward because... Yes. I mean, most of the time when you make it like 1,500 here... It's just going to fold around, and yeah, you're going to win. You're going to win a thousand chips. <laughs> it might get a flat. I might get one or two streets. But yeah. this is the whole point of this scenario is that what I'm looking for is a squeeze and one of the original limpers to never, ever, ever put me on any type of calling range, and they're going to ISO their whole stack for the bounty. Yep. Yeah. And Not, like hugely wide. Not that, that it happens. happens if that happens. I'm I'm chip leader of a, of a progressive super knockout one k in a W coupe, and you know you're going deep in this thing. If 130 big blind shoves into me when I have 83, and I have 100, and, and not to mention the the bounty that I knocked the other guy out and all that stuff, yeah, I am off to the races of you know potentially making a real deep run in this thing plus the knockouts. So the results obviously. Um, Nanonoko does squeeze. He's under the or uh, he's middle position. He's got go. 16 big blinds, and it folds back. The original limper he folds. He was a fish. He was running a really high uh, limping range actually. And like I said, 
the second limper never ever puts me on aces. Yeah. Never puts me on kings. Never puts me on ace king. Never puts me on queens. Right. Anything <laughs> like I. You had to just be drooling at this point. Like oh, he's gonna man. do it. He's gonna do it. He's gonna <laughs> do it. And guess what he does it with. I can't remember what he ended up having. He does it with nine ten off suit. Oh, yeah. Nine ten suited for eighty big blinds. Wow. Into the aces. So I grab nine and Oko's uh bounty and all of a sudden I'm up to two hundred big blinds ish and with the bounty and off to the races. And how do you save the seven on the river? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> and Danny, what do you do there if he just flats nine and Oko there? You're you're are you isoing or are you just calling? Um I think either is fine, okay. because, yeah, normally I would just call or something and yeah. try to get cute with it. The thing is, he's not going to give me credit again, like I said, for the top of my range. So right. he's going to think I'm battling him for it. So if I put yeah. it like, just in a small raise, probably, just so I got a better chance of getting stacks in. Yep. Like and, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think like I would I'd probably just click it even or, or like two exit or something like that. Just build the pot a little bit. He's never folding. You have to realize that. If I 2 or 2.2 exit, he can't fold with that bounty on the line already having that uh, 16 big blinds in. Yeah, and I like I like clicking it back or 2xing better than sh- sh- you know jamming it there because then you're giving him oh, a yeah. chance, giving him a chance to, to, to you know, make it. Yeah, and then stack the pot on that flop. You know, it's not very yeah. hard to get aces in. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. Great. Um, and by the way, just administrative note for everybody listening, uh, I will have put a link to these hands um, down on the notes for the podcast. So for people who might want to – if you're not driving, um, <laughs> sitting at a desk, please feel free to uh, open up the hands and follow along. What if you're jogging? What should they do? Um, stop jogging? It's a terrible <laughs> idea. Why would anybody jog? You're with yeah, me, right, Danny? Oh, I'm definitely with you. <laughs> Slob mode engaged. What if they're eating a cheeseburger and drinking a beer? Invite you over. I, I approve. <laughs> Invite you over. Free yes. coaching. Free coaching. <laughs> Better be good beer, too. Yes, we know. All right. The, okay. With second hand, we've got... Okay. This, this is a ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous hand. <laughs> this is final four tables. The, let me get the prizes up. Let's just have a look. Uh, this one might be especially important. Speaking of looking at the hand histories, this one might be especially important to take a peek at because it's a little complex in its complexity. Wait, what? <laughs> it's complex. Say that again? <laughs> That's all I got. Complex. So, again, same tournament, obviously. Um, we have 50 big blinds at this point. We're sitting, I think, final four tables. I guess we're, you know, probably in like 10th. I would say something like 10th. Um, as for the prizes, like you're talking 150k, 146k up top, 107 for second, 80, 60, 42, 34, 25, 16. So, after that, I mean, we're, our min cash at this point is 3K. Yep. Plus, you know, okay, so 3K in a 1K tournament isn't a whole lot of money. The next prize jump, you know, 27 to uh, 18 is 3500 bucks. So you're looking at a $500 pay jump 
for beating out, you know, all those other players. Yep. And then it only goes up to 4K, and then it goes to 5 and change, and even 12th gets 7K. So beating out another 20 people only boosts us up another 4K. So that's something to consider, but at the same time, you've got 150K up top. Right. So the bounties at this point are getting massive. Like, I, I think I've won about 3K in bounties at this point. Um, and uh, I'm I'm probably middle of the pack. Some guys are, are huge. Cal actually has a 14K bounty with four tables. <laughs> wow. So if you knock Cal out, you get 7,000 bucks in your account immediately. Seven grand goes on your head. Next guy who knocks you out gets half of that. So sick. So this hand, okay. We are under the gun plus two with pocket sevens. Um, looking at the table, bunch of regs left, Captain Cush, uh, Baltic Moose. Cal is on 10 big blinds with a 14K bounty. <laughs> Everybody's just salivating. He, he must feel like a piece of meat. Like in, <laughs> you know in like he does. One of those cartoons. Like he just. <laughs> Man. So. He's got 10 bigs. Everyone is obviously gunning for that. So to get back to the prize pool, if you knock him out and you win 7K and there's four tables left, you know, you're jumping up to ninth place prize money or or like or better because you've got bounties up to this point anyway. Yeah. So if you yeah. knock him out, it's, it's pretty much worth it. Yeah. There's an exception to the rule when you should play, you know, for the prize pool when there's bounties at that size, I think. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, I think I do. I don't. So, Say that again. Okay, so like I said, if you're, you should play to win the tournament deep stages of, of the progressives, I believe. You shouldn't be bounty hunting anymore. But when someone's got a bounty that props you up to yeah. Yeah. 10K in equity, I mean, yeah. that's just foolishness. Yep. When the bounty is better than most pay jumps. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, that makes sense. So, yeah, we're under the gun plus two with sevens, 50 big blinds. Um, behind me, I've got a random with 55 big blinds. Baltic Moose is a reg in the cutoff with 36. A, a semi-reg, I'm not exactly sure if he was a reg or not. He has 113 big blinds on the button. This is where it gets tangly. So he's got 113 on the button, and Cal's got 10 in the small blind. So everyone is opening pots to try to get at Cal and call him with any two yep. just so they can win 7K with, you know, <laughs> let's go. Um, yeah. And respect LT, another reg. He's got 182 in the big blind. So I have sevens here, and this is a spot where – it's super intimidating, number one, because I know I'm getting action. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got to expect you're going you're to get some heavy action. And I have the weirdest stack. I have 50 yeah. big blinds. It's not like I have 30 and I can open. If someone three bets me, I can rip. Yeah. So you know, like, Yeah, you're ripe to be pushed around. Yeah. So basically, my intention with this hand is to open. I'm expecting the button to three bet, and if Cal goes, I'm just going to rip the 50 in. And that's my plan. And if he has a better pair in this particular scenario with that bounty on the line, it feels yeah. like a cooler to me. So, so this is a case where you can argue to get in a certain amount of chips based upon your your bounty equity. 
Um, you can get in 50 big blinds with a pair of such as sevens when you know that likely ranges are weak. You know, yep. people are after the bounty. It's not like the uh, Beckley hand where it's a final table and you you don't know what you're doing with, you know, there's no bounties. You're right. just strictly trying to stay in second place or and not really get involved with the chip leader. You're trying to wait out last two other players. There's still 30-odd left in this tournament, and we want that bounty, and we want the chips. That makes sense. So we do go ahead and open to like 2.2, 2.3x. Button does 3-bet me to almost 3x. So I make it 20,500. He makes it 56k. To me, that doesn't really imply strength on the button. Yeah. If that were out of position, that would seem, you know, that that would be strength to me. You know, almost a 3x seems about right. Cal shoves 10 big blinds. So we've got my open, a 3-bet on the button to almost 3x. Cal shoves 10 bigs, so we've got 20, 56, and now 90k. Respect LT is in the big <laughs> blind with 182k, or 182 big blinds. He five bets. Wow. And I have sevens. And So I think the sizing here is really important um, of his of his five. Was this five bet? You said one, two, three. This is a five bet. Yeah. Um, so, he, yeah, go ahead. Again, as expected, I, I knew action was coming. Um, there's no doubt about it. I didn't expect this action. I kind of expected the three bet and cow shoves, maybe if he has something decent. He knows all of our ranges are wide as hell. We can have both have like ace 10, ace, ace rag, you know, eight, I could open with like eight, seven suited, something like that. So he's going to be shoving his ace 10, ace jack, I think, maybe like king queen suited. Yeah. Um, probably even like fives plus at this point. Uh, maybe not fives. Uh, he might. I don't know if he just looks down at sixes and folds. I would do it just to spite you guys, personally. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just so you can't yeah. get my bounty. Right, but Cal's the type of player he plays to win yeah. uh, at all times. He, you know, the guy's a sicko. He's amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in, insane spot. So Cal, Cal's made it 90k all in. So respect makes it 189,000. So before we jump to respect. Anton made it, you know, so you made it 20K, Anton yep. made it 56, and Cal makes it 89. So, you know, Anton is portraying that, you know, he's never folding to Cal. Yes. Um, so his hand is, you know, he's he's portraying a strong hand here, I think. He's portraying um, a range that is, he has something that he yeah. wants to call Cal with, but he right. also doesn't. He wants it's you almost out of like it. he's trying to just get rid of me. Yeah, he it. wants you out of it. He wants big enough because he could have done that. Forty-two K is the same same thing to Cal's his hand versus Cal. Yeah, like you know, I mean, anything he does here, um, aside from just call, which uh, you know, any raise puts him committed to Cal, obviously. Yeah, even even calling, but um, so so we're you know we don't we're not that worried about Anton. No, we're not. In, in I, this that's, case. I agree. We're like, I knew this was coming, and when you know it's coming, we can't really be afraid of it. We need to pull the trigger in these spots, as planned. Yeah. So, like, this is different than Beckley, because I knew what I was doing versus right. him before I even opened the hand. So, respect 
makes it 189 over 20, 56, 89, and now 189. Yep. Um, you know, to me, that that's either he's just trying to get fancy and mm-hmm. out, outplay he's you guys. He's trying to win 7K. He's yeah. trying to win 7K <laughs> when he has 182 big blinds. Yeah. And he's chucking in 20 big blinds to win $7,000. Yeah. It, it, 20 big blinds to him means nothing at, when mean, he has a, 182. It is a great spot for him to do this it's because – It's a phenomenal spot. Yeah, because you're, you're 20 – you know, you raised the twenty k on the four hundred and forty eight k stack. You know, you can go away. You can go away a lot here. There's, oh, you know, I'm I'm gone out of here all day. Yeah, and and Anton has nine hundred. You know, it starts to hand with over a million. So Anton can't really get too cute here versus a guy who has one point. What is he? One point seven million <laughs> um, to start the hand. Like, I mean, they, I guess he, I guess he can call him and play him a hand. Yeah, you know, but he, he, he I mean, I guess even wow. I guess now that I'm talking through it. Anton could even bluff here but if he, he could uh, what he oh. could uh six bet fold yeah, yeah. but i mean again like i said you do not want to make that big of a mistake when yeah. there is that kind of money up top 150 is like when yeah sunday million these days yeah put in you know 350 or 400 something and the full thing is just a huge part of his stack here it is you yeah. gotta have balls of steel but i don't know maybe maybe he has balls of steel <laughs> 40 big blinds it's huge. Like but um thirty five big blinds and fold, that's pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah, but but so so what I'm getting at is respects raise size <clears throat> it's just something about it is weird making yep. it one eighty nine at this point. And I, I don't think I could express it well enough why I think it's weird. Um I would be I'd probably be tanking um the hell out of this hand and uh, man, I it's it just it's it seems like one of those hands where that those sizes where he's like I can fold this or he's trying to induce. Yep, I agree. It's one or the other. It's a great bet. Yeah, yeah. For that per because it's so polarizing. Those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, speaking for me, like I would fold here pretty quickly, <coughs> but you know, with the asterisk being, we don't have progressive super progressive knockouts in America. Yep. We don't get the, you know, so the, the dynamics of this kind of play are not really ingrained in my head. Yeah. Um, also, you know, on American-facing sites, I can't tell you the last time I saw a cold six-bet. <laughs> maybe don't. never, to be honest. Yeah. Like, po- it's quite possibly have never seen a cold six-bet on a U.S.-facing poker site. Have you um, ever been deep enough for a six-bet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, me or just players in America in general? <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been deep enough for six-bet. In- no, yeah, the structures aren't that good. Yeah. So you, yeah. I mean, unless, you know, the only time you're going to get to do it is when you're at playing, like, 10, 20 blinds and you all have 10K. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, like, I'm folding in this spot, yeah. but... You know, with that huge caveat, I guess. Yeah. Um, but man, the, the like, there there's a book to be written on super progressive knockouts. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't. I'm gonna admit, I do not know the math of some of these spots. I have no idea. I right. don't. And because it's it is fairly new to me too. Like these these probably only came out a year ago. Right. Yeah. So like, really some of these spots, and especially in the high stakes, I mean. There's not many re- like the highest you can play is a 215 progressive and there's like 80 to 100 people in it. Right. So when you're playing this kind of field with these kind of bounties, it's 
it's really, really strange and new. Yeah. So it's something, it's definitely something to work on, but, uh... What's also interesting here is, like, like you're super close to not even having fold equity. I know. Like, it's really, really close. Yeah. But it's also a spot where if I go, I'm supposed to have it. Right, yeah, that's true. And it's almost like Respect sized it such that he knows if you go, you're supposed to have it. Yes. And he gave himself just enough full equity, just like just enough. enough. Yep. Like if he had made it 210 here, he probably has to call you. I know. Like five more big blinds he should probably be calling. Yeah. It's so sick. Um, yeah. Um, so I'm folding, but I, I know... I know what I know. I know Danny in thirteen. He doesn't like the fold. <laughs> right. Um, again, this is just one of them spots where you have a plan and you you follow through and pull the trigger. Yeah. And the fact that respect is a is a known rag. Um, One hundred and eighty big blinds. He's got tons and tons of chips. And he can he can do, he can take this spot like I said twenty big blinds doesn't really affect his stack. What's the difference in having one hundred and sixty and having one hundred and eighty? Right. Is there a real big difference? Right. Yeah, not really. It's like, it really is like the perfect spot for him. It is, yeah, yeah. It's a free roll for seven k. If if he gets away with whatever this is, like, yeah. it's good. Um, and he probably has the same read on Anton. Like, he has the same idea on Anton as you have. So he's going, well, Anton was going to do that with this huge... So he really is only has to worry about you. Yep, yep. And I... what, if, what if Respect has a pair of fives or sixes, or what if he has ace-10 through ace-king? I mean, yeah. I'm ahead of some of... I, if he has fives or sixes, he probably takes the same line. Yeah, right. And turns them into, like, a semi-bluff to get heads up kind of weird, you know? And if I if he ends up calling, I'm ahead of that, and I win a massive pot plus the bounty or or whatever. And the times I'm up against ace king, ace queen, ace jack, and then I also have fold slight fold equity in this yep. one. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it was a trust my gut spot. I'm not gonna lie. It was. Uh, it's just the dun, the dynamic of the progressive is so interesting and fun. Like. Because these spots arise and it's and ranges are completely different than what you would expect them to be. Yeah, you're making me miss stars again. Yeah, no, <laughs> they're 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 awesome. Great, great, great value. So anyway. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think back to this tournament. I I could be wrong. I don't know if you know, but I don't feel like you tanked very long. Either. I didn't. I snapped. <laughs> yeah, which is probably the smartest thing you can do. Like oh, I'm in. Make like, it look like you have it. Like yeah, you, it's almost like you got so anxious because of that bounty. Or make it look like you have ace king and, and someone might fold ace queen or something like that. Right. Um, so I do rip it in and Anton calls or he he shoves. So I'm like, okay, game seven or nothing. Good game. Yeah. And Anton actually wakes up with ace king. And oh wow. Ward runs out a boat for me, but also a boat for Cal, a big. Oh. <laughs> But I win that massive side pot. Yeah. I don't right. get the 7K bounty, but I'm rolling. Would you have rather the side, the 7K bounty or the... Well, I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just don't know. It's probably pretty I'm close. Just, I, I, pretty close. <laughs> I don't know. I really, truly don't. Because I doubled up there. And again, like like I said, deep in a tournament, I, or deep in a progressive, I... 
do tend to play to win the tournament, not bounty hunt. So I think yeah. I'd rather win the pot. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, it um, worked out pretty good in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um. So yeah, that was that was the progressive and. Got one interesting hand from, I mean the turbo, <laughs> turbo was pretty shallow. The final table, uh, the one K turbo, the other final table I made. Um, first was uh, this is the one where this is the bigger score, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. First was three hundred and nine thousand. Second was two twenty six. Oh, first was one seventy. Fourth was one twenty five. Fifth was ninety point five. Sixth was 72, 7th was 53 and change, 8th was 35, Ninth was 19. So, this is not a bounty tournament. This is a straightforward 1K turbo. Um, 1,847 players. Huge field for a 1K. Yeah. Wow. Tons of variants. Um, happy is this Sunday. like, is this a Sunday or is this like a weekend? This is the WCOOP main event Sunday. Okay, maybe even Sunday. Okay. This is the last day of WCOOP. This is actually the last WCOOP tournament. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, what do you make of the field in this sort of situation? Is this, you know, it's a 1K, but is... It, there's 1,800 people in it. Yeah. So, there's always fish when there's 1,800 players. Yeah, right, right. Saddy fish or, or the random guys with money get on and play the quick one because it's a Sunday and they like the three-hour tournament and can win 300 grand. Yeah, <laughs> got so, it. You know? So the 1K fish come out for this one for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 300K is a massive score. Um, we get to the final table. I was in a good spot. I think I, think I came in, like, fourth or something like that. And Were you, um, was hot sauce involved this time around? Hot sauce? I oh, can't man. remember. Oh, man, I forgot about the hot sauce. <laughs> I remember one time you were running deep, you were just downing Frank's hot, red, that Frank's was, red hot. That was the last one we just talked about. <laughs> that, yeah, I was going to say, I think that was while I was streaming. Or right before I started streaming, what you did, yeah. I had Enter Sandman, and I was just chugging hot sauce. <laughs> now, if you made the main event final table, and you brought hot sauce, and you just chugged it... That would be fucking epic. <laughs> that would be the best final table of all time. <laughs> Not to mention the endorsement. But yeah, really. Franks. Like, no kidding. Franks would be all over that. Corona's wash it down. Corona's and Franks? Holy shit. You'd be the best. Okay, anyway. I'm sidetracking, side but... So, the, the really interesting thing in this final table was Raidalot. He is... His name is Talal Shakurchi, mind my pronunciation, but he is a very, very rich man. Uh -huh. um, some say he's a billionaire or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how true that is, but I know he plays 100Ks and stuff around the world. Oh, wow. So he comes in, and he is swinging, and he is calling off, and he does not give a shit. He's playing <laughs> to win. He would not take a deal. He wanted the bracelet. Right. And yeah, he was like, nope, I'd rather play. Thank you, though. Nope, I, I, I'm sorry, guys, I'd like to play. 1K like, turbo to him is like, you fucking kill me. me. You're killing me for 50 to 70K <laughs> yeah. here for, Jesus. <laughs> like, it's, like it's like an $11 turbo to him. It, it is. Him. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's just, it was disgusting, because we got to the point, I think I was second in chips, and he just wouldn't deal. He had heaps. Yeah. 
Yeah. And he still would have got like 220 odd K, but and we all could have got 150 or whatever. But no, <laughs> no, nah, let's just flip. You know, 10, 15 big ones. Flip it out, man. <laughs> you know, 30, 40 K at a time. <laughs> oh man. So, yeah, keeping that in mind, uh, I had I ran into a really odd hand, and I I don't know how I feel about it. Um. So we're five-handed. I have my biggest score of my life locked up, $90,500. Feeling amazing. You know, nothing can really hurt me at this point. I really obviously want to win, but um, there is one guy on seven big blinds when I have 12, so I have to be super careful. Uh, there is a $35,000 pay jump only coming up, so, you know, that clearly matters to me or to anyone in their right mind. Yep. Um. So we're five-handed. The stacks are... I'm in the... Or sorry. Calvin has 14 big blinds under the gun. Zizmo, very, very good rag, has 17 big blinds in... Or sorry. Calvin is in the hijack, which is, which is under the gun. 14 big blinds. Zizmo is in the cutoff with 17. Bakes is on seven big blinds in the button. And the billionaire nut job is <laughs> on 20 big blinds in the small blind. And uh, you guys are so short, but I guess it's a turbo. Yes. Just, so yeah, it's a turbo. 20 big blinds is the largest at this point. Wow. So the, this is a spot. Some people might laugh, and I still don't know how I feel about it, so I'd actually like feedback. Um, Zismo opens off of 17, and with bakes on the button, or sorry, there's an under-the-gun fold. Zizmo opens a cutoff with 17 big blinds to a min raise. Bakes has seven big blinds on the button. So right away, clearly he has the raise call, seven big blinds. Yeah. The pot is 825K. Bakes has 1.4 million. And, and how is Bakes playing to this point? I mean, what's... what's... There's just not much room. It's, it's shove or fold. Uh, yeah. he's, everyone's fairly tight. Like, no, one's, yeah. no one can get out of line at this point. No one has been going crazy besides Raid a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. I just don't. I don't see Bakes um, shoving too light here. Um, no, he's, he, it's it's almost like the uh, Bloomfield hand. Yeah, I just think he's not going to shove deuces here. He's getting called. Yeah, so if I'm Ziz, Zizmov, I, I you know I, I'm not that worried. Uh, yeah, obviously I have to call if he raises, but I'm not gonna. I'm not going to not open because of him being to my left. Put it that right. way. And but the thing you need to worry about is is the small blind raid a lot. Don't you think he's going to be shoving on you, knowing yeah. knowing yeah. that everyone else is shorter? Or you're in. He's in first. You're in second. Yeah, he's, but can you play every hand afraid of raid a lot shoving on you? You know, I mean, this is a great spot for Zizmov to to open against you specifically, given well, your stack size. Yeah, but he also. At this point, should know, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to get it in. I've got yeah. it in a bunch of times at this final table, right. and uh, you know, I it it just really threw me off where he ha yeah. Bakes has seven big blinds, and Raid a lot could easily just rip on Zismo and take advantage of him, and he has to fold like properly. I think Zismo is supposed to fold jacks. Wow, really? Yes, oh, yes, wow. absolutely. Especially with these page jumps. Yeah, I guess the, with next, these the next page jumps, like right? Thirty-five thousand right. dollars yeah. when 
when Zismo has 17 and Bakes has 7. Yeah, right. No, yeah, that's right. That's right. That 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 makes sense. You know, the thing is though, Zismov is still he's also still in the Rays fold. He is. I think, right? And like he's about to leave that zone, right? Yep. So that's another reason why I don't know. It's just like one of those intuitive things where it's like Oh, this is like he's, you know, he still feels like he has that race hold and, and, and he's taken that spot before he loses right. it. It's awkward, though, because, like, his sort of mediocre hands, he should just be shoving. So it's kind of like he's either race right. folding or he, like, has the nuts here. Right. <laughs> so right. But he more, it's super more often, awkward. More often does not have the nuts. Yeah, That's true. Spot. So I have eights in the big blind. It folds to me. Yeah. The problem with eights is that if I shove on him, I gain 800k in chips, but if he calls, I'm done. Right. Unless he's got ace king, ace queen, and he might even fold ace queen. Right. So he never calls with sevens in this spot. I don't think so. Not with Bakes having seven big blinds. Um. Really, really awkward spot. It really is. I think uh, the thing is, I think I'd be shoving like ace queen. I think I would even be shoving ace king. I feel like I'm only really raising like yeah, uh, yeah. Like I'm I'm literally raising like tens plus. Yeah, yeah. No, unless you're raise holding a lot. Well, yeah. True. Yeah. So I guess that's, the question that's is, a I, good yeah. point. Yeah, I never I never really looked at it that way to be honest. Yeah. So, that's kind of what threw me for a loop. It's like this, like you said, it's it's probably a huge pair or it's a raised fold spot. Yeah. yeah. And But the rest of the hands he shoves. So, like, I don't even, this doesn't really seem like king-queen to me because he would just rip that, would he not? That's what I'd be doing. And like you said, he has to call the guy on his left, so it's like, it's almost like I, I almost take out some of his raised fold range because... He's got to call that guy. But yeah. What does he do? What does he do with Ace Four, Ace Six here? Is he open folding? That no, that's that's his. Oh man. <laughs> I, I guess I feel like I don't know. I, the I, thing I, is, look, he is playing fairly straightforward up to this point as well. I should mention that he's uh-huh. not too out of line because Ray Lot is going crazy. No one really wants to mess with him with these pay jumps. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I like. His shoving range, I, if I were in his shoes, I would just straight rip Ace King. Yeah, yeah. Too. And I would and just I, straight rip, I'd probably straight rip nines and tens, too. And we, and we should, I guess we, actually, we should just be ripping jacks, too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Well, Queens, if you're fold, I guess we can induce, but jacks, yeah, I, he probably holding it. He probably doesn't fold jacks to rate a lot, so he might actually induce jacks, but it's super, super high variance. Yeah. Raid a lot might rip King Queen on him and <laughs> good night and then you're out thirty five K. Like that's right. Um Yeah, this is super awkward. Very, very awkward. So I didn't know what to do, honestly. It was in game, your time bank's ticking down, it's a turbo. Yeah. Uh I hit the biggest score of my life. And you know, as much as I'd like to say those factors shouldn't matter, they do. Yep. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. There's a part of me that wonders about calling because does it really matter if we have two million or two point two million? Not like, really, because the point of this now is that we have more chips than someone, meaning that we have more equity and our cash should be we should get that pay jump, thirty five thousand yeah. dollars. Thirty five buy ins to this tournament. 
and my average buying is 60 70 bucks. Right. Yeah, but I really don't like calling gear either because you're going to give up a lot of chips, um, C-bets, and maybe double barrels. And I'm then call eight, so. I, I, that's why I would just shove it here. But uh, so I wouldn't call here because you're gonna, you know, you could very likely end this hand with 1.4 million yourself, and now you're the same spot as Bakes, right. um, because it's gonna be really hard to play those eights at post flop. You know, so but you could you could strictly set hunt. You could right. Okay, fair enough. If you're if you're strictly set hunting, you could do that. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Although, like I said, I still think that. Uh, this situationally feels like just a great spot for Zizmov to, to, to raise hold one more time. I may, I, it's just the way I play. I think I just spot this. Yeah, I, this. And, and you know what? Mid-stages and most funnel tables, I would straight rip this and wouldn't worry too much. Yeah, right. But something felt really weird, and sometimes yeah. you're, you just, it, it's just, you know, you... I get you, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, you were at the table. You, you, get, you get the table full yeah, better exactly. than we do. That, that's right, sure. You get the table full better than we do, for sure. Anyways, so I do just call. Okay. I and I, I don't know. I I really don't know because yeah. when he wakes up with jacks and I rip and I'm done and then Bakes is on seven big blinds, I yeah. hate myself. I yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um. Or, or queens or what ace king whatever. Yep. Again though, like that's the weirdest thing. I I I should have. That's I'm glad we discussed this because if I'm in his shoes, I would rip nines and tens. So his. Yep. His inducing range is the nuts, or it's an air ball. Yep. Yeah. There's no middling yeah. pairs here. There's no ace queen here. There might be an ace king, I guess. Yeah. I doubt it. Yeah, I think even that he's shoving because he doesn't want you to shove. No, he just wants <laughs> to pick up this pot and have a bigger stack and have a better chance to make more money. Yeah. So variance free money. Right. Make yeah, I think I was leaning towards like just flat. And set mine. If he has ace king here, he doesn't want me to shove eights. Right now. And if he piles here, I would just fold eights. Easy. Yeah. Eights is an easy fold here. It, yeah, shows. I agree with that. Yes. Very yes. easy fold. So, so it was one of them spots. Like I'm like, okay, I can't fold. I can't fold eights for one big blind. <laughs> but I, I'm not comfortable shoving, so I hit the call. Yeah. Um, and prayed for an eight. <laughs> prayed for an eight. But that's, I kind of made a misstep, and it's, it's odd. It's This is so odd. I check. It, it comes queen, seven deuce, seven deuce of diamonds, queen of clubs. I have eight, eight, no diamond. Really weird. He bets 220K. The big oh blind God. is 200K. Okay? So he bets I, love, I love what he's doing here. 220 into a milli. I love what he's doing. I mean, and he's going to induce you to go crazy, or he's just going to make you fuck up. <laughs> it's a great bet. It's an awesome bet. And he made me fuck up because I called. Yeah, yeah, right. And you're like, oh, well, I can't fold this. Can't fold for one more big blind. You were, about to just, you, you were set mining, and now, now you're calling another big blind. 100%. 100%. Didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do yeah. free. Yeah. So I flat. But, I, you know, I think I don't really hate the flat. I don't. Still to this day, I don't. And I, I, I really don't know how great it is or how bad it is, but... You know, there's a chance it goes check-check now. I mean, it, 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 it he, he may, even if you don't hit, he, you may be able to get to showdown. Right. Like, I'm not folding a queen. Right. Right. I don't, he can't double-barrel me off a queen when I have 12 big blocks. Right, right. But he also might think I just 
rip the the queens of my range just to take down this massive pot and almost double up. Yep. Right, yeah. If you have like Queen Ten or Queen Jack yep. or something like that. I'm just gonna check shove all day with those hands. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, so now you're kinda like like now your range is like sets. Yep. Or hands exactly like this that he knows he can probably just barrel you right off of. Could have a flush draw. I guess. That's true. Although you'd probably jam that too. Yeah, uh, but not like an eight nine of diamonds. I don't think. Yeah, that's probably true. That would be kind of bad. I like. Well, and you're you're o- like if you had like two o- or an over and you know like let's say ace ten of diamonds, you're jamming that pre. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. This is pretty interesting. This is really interesting from a hand reading standpoint from both of your sides. <laughs> like I'm I'm also wondering what's going through his head. Ace ten suited is not a great hand to rip either. Yeah, that's true. That's very true, especially when we think he's not raising light. If we were the short stack, th- this would be the easiest rip of all time. Yeah. yeah. But with the guy on seven big blinds and 35K on the line, it's just not easy in my eyes. Like, yeah, Especially him opening into a psychopath rich dude who can <laughs> easily abuse the shit out of him and rip any two almost. Yeah. So, I um, just... I just disagree. <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's fine. Yeah, that's what we do here. <laughs> Definitely. Yep. Um, so, yeah, the moral of the story, I call, and he double barrels me off, and I watch the replay later, and he has ace, the six of diamonds hits, and he has the ace of diamonds in his hand, and he double barrels 400K. Yeah. And gets me to fold eights. That's yeah. pretty sick of him. One thing I have thought about, though, uh, you see fish a lot to find out where we're at, play right. yeah. on the flop I think I actually like that where he bets 220 if I make it 500k and fold if he shoves he has to have it right yeah. when yeah. am I ever bluffing in this yeah, yeah yeah no it, you're clearly gonna be he's definitely finding out exactly where you're at yep with that bet yep yeah. Yeah. he did you see an ace jack with the ace of diamonds ace nine ace nine so he's raised folding pretty. Well, sure. he's calling. The, it, he has a hand that he can call. Oh, yeah. Like a big blind stack yeah. fold yeah. to me. Right. It's, it's just that the thing is, how many of those hands does he have? I don't even know if he opens ace deuce because he doesn't want to lose seven big blinds with ace deuce when he has right. one over, one under. Yeah. If big shoves. Yeah. He I don't know. It's a really, space. really odd spot. It's like it's not like he can open eight seven suited here or like nine ten suited. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he's going to raise call seven big blinds with those hands. So his raise fold range is consists of, like, king jack off, maybe. Like, hands, he can call seven big blinds, doesn't feel too bad, because there's pairs he flips with and ace-queen and stuff like that. It's it's like a... But, yeah, I, I can't imagine he opens much worse than ace, like... Nine, <laughs> ace, ace, seven suited, ace, eight, ace, nine. I don't know. Yeah. I think he might open. I think he just might open wider. I, I, I don't know. Well, you know, like I said, I, Bake's just not going to have a hand a lot of the time. Like, how often is he actually going to shove there? I know when he does, it's kind of a tricky spot. I mean, it's a shitty spot, and I guess you can't fold. But so often he's going to get that through. I think. Through Bakes, you mean? Through, 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 through all of you, I think. Mm. You do? Yeah. Uh, yeah like, sense. okay, so what range do you think he raised folds in this spot? Tell me the exact range. Um, 
Because if you okay. have that argument, I need to know yeah. the race for yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that's the only way you can really back it up, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I'm not saying that this is the right race fold range, but I think it's possible he's doing this with any aces. With king nine suited, king ten off better. Um, probably not queen jack. And then a lot of pairs. Uh, we're race fold. Hold on. We're race folding. Um Race fold, uh, yeah, a lot of pairs because he c- well, well, he won't fold the big pairs obviously, but he can, he can fold to you with the twos, threes, fours, fives, sixes. Doesn't uh, he just rip sixes free? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm not taking that out. There's, there's and I don't a, think he yeah, opens deuces or threes to call seven big blinds either. I I, I think there's a lot of players who would. I don't. I mean, not saying it's the right range, but I think that a lot. I think in, in without these pay jumps, maybe. But this yeah. is this is real, real big money right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I, I might not be giving enough weight to the pay jumps. It's also big, like a big buy-in, big pay jumps turbo. Yep. On poker star, like so, you know, it's such a different dynamic than maybe what Diego or I are. Yeah. Used to being in every single day, so uh, especially the turbo element. Basically, we're saying he has, like, suited broadways, maybe like a king-jack off, that he opens and, and calls bakes and folds to me yeah. or raid a lot. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, he he probably just rips twos through tens, jacks. Do you think he rips twos? Or do I mean, just... what can we call with, though? Raid a lot's the only one that has him covered. I got to yeah. fold. What, look, I have to fold eights. If he's shoving deuces and I'm folding eights, that's a good play, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I can just I mean, I'm not. Up. Sorry, go ahead. I, I was just saying, I'm not this small, obviously, but, and, and I'm nittier than the average bird, but, like, I'm not raised folding much here. Like, I'm shoving most of the hands I'm playing. Yep. And I'm, you know, I'm not even sure that I raise my monster hands because... I think these players are too good to fall for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think you have to raise the top because um, with Bakes, it looks like you can have a raised fold range, yeah, which can true, induce me true. to spaz or raid a lot yeah, to spaz. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and I guess, too, in this day of defending the big and yep. all that stuff, mm-hmm. like, you're going to flat a lot. So, like, yeah, but in all reality, it's probably, like, Jack's boss, maybe How? Ben's boss. I don't know. What stack what size? What what bakes stack size? Can he can Ziz not fold to? So like, you know, he raises to he raises to four hundred thousand, and bakes us one point four million. Can he fold to bakes or absolutely or, not? He cannot. So what is the what is I the stack size? I would say it's right there. It's maybe one more big blind. One more. He big can okay, he so. can fold to nine or ten big blinds. So he can say ten. Okay. So, but not to, not to seven. Not to seven, absolutely right. not. But I mean, we're on razor thin margins here with someone making a mistake. Like, that's that's the right play is he shouldn't be folding to seven big blinds. But you're expecting that. I mean, it, you're expecting that he knows that, and, and I, I guess we have to play optimal. This is all about game theory optimal. But yeah. but. You know that that's expected that he's got that very thin edge understood, where he can where he can fold he does, nine. And I know this. 
I do oh, you know, know this. Yes. Okay. Oh, it's okay. Very, very good. Yeah. Oh, all right, all right. That that actually that that makes a big difference. Yeah, that makes a big difference. Okay, so that that makes a big difference. So he knows that that makes a big difference. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah. All right. I mean, if he knows that he can't fold the bakes, uh, I there's just the time. This reward. That's the point. If I win 800k, that. That's chip wise, yeah, that's fine. But the times that I lose, I'm out thirty five grand. Yeah, it's so sad. The times that I run into it here, which I actually think is probably more than not. Yeah. It's, yeah. Or it's at least fifty fifty, and the fact that I can just call one big blind, hit an eight, and potentially double. If if he does have a queen jack type hand, and it comes like this, and it comes queen eight deuce, or or whatever, or he has the overpair. Um, it's just less risk, and I'm still sitting in four out of five, and a guy's got less chips than me, four yeah. big blinds at that in a turbo, mm -hmm. and the blinds are going to hit him in a second. If he doesn't get a hand in a few orbits, he's done, and I'm up that yeah. extra page on. Yeah. Why couldn't it just come queen eight days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But my my mistake my mistake in this hand was calling the flop. I, I should have either well, that, checked raised or just folded. Yeah, right. Because yeah. that's that's the point where, like I said, one of the things I didn't like about calling is you could quickly find yourself at one point four million, and, mm -hmm. and you know, and just like with no no equity realized, right? You're just giving, you know, you're just calling and folding. Versus and, a very very good player in position. Right. It's it's just like sucks that that it sucks to bleed those chips. So it's okay. like. So it just sucks because Zizmo Zizmo does exactly what like the one thing you don't really expect him to do like when he met, when he bets that amount on the yeah. flop and yep. you're like what yeah. but what's cool is like it's kind of a cool spot to remember and to implement that sort of exact line yeah, against other people because it's so sick it puts you in just like the worst hell. spot right in hell. Yeah. <laughs> You're, like, you're, you're using a vice, and there's I mean, nothing you can do. It's a great thing to do with that draw there, because if you jam, he could just call. And if, you know, the, ne the next, he can just continue on bluffing at you. Um, I just love it. <laughs> I just love that size. Yeah, this, this sizing allows him to double barrel for the price of almost a seabed. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. He gets that in. And that's oh sick. God, that's so sick. And he just it, completely you know, a standard seabed would be like 450 to 500 here or something on this mm -hmm. kind of board. So he's putting in six, 660. So that's not many more chips. And then he gets two double, He gets two barrels out of it. That's yeah. sick. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, really awesome sick. hand him. And he, well, he picks up the ace of diamonds too. The weird thing about it is... What does he do if I shove the turn? Yeah, because yeah. it's pretty close to him getting the right price, right? So what were the? So he puts in four forty into one point four on the turn. Yep. So the pot's one point nine million now, and I have one point seven six. Yeah. So it's one point three more to him, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. One point three to win three point two. Mm-hmm. Three point two. He's got a pair though, but you're not. He no, he doesn't have a pair. You said he had, didn't he have a six? No, he has nine. nine with ace. Oh, he's nine with ace of diamonds. Ugh. Okay. But don't you hate when you get check raised there? Yeah. And yeah. And you have to fold like you yeah, have yeah, equity yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you got to fold. Yeah. It's a weird one. He still has eleven big blinds. You have equity, but I don't think you, you don't have enough. I don't think you have enough. Like in in the mid stages of a tournament, he would check back this from these stack yeah. sizes all yeah. day. Yep. But it's like he turns. Yeah. Potentially the. <laughs> 
But he do, he knows he doesn't have the best hand. It's it's so it's so genius, but it's so yeah. weird and unorthodox. I think because like he's turning something in, like you would want to take a free card here and keep the pot small a lot, but it's hard to win the it's hard to win the hand. Yeah, right. it's it's like genius in the sense that I think probably he's just a very good player. Mm-hmm. Like if he knew exactly what he was doing, that's pretty freaking impressive. Yeah. But he may just intuitively have done this. That's true. In, in, on the fly, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. just he's a really good player. Like, this is a quite a extravagant plan to. to the whole problem with this hand is that my range is face up, and yeah. he's taking advantage of it, and it's very smart betting. Yeah. He gets the two barrels. Like, he knows this is a high, high pressure situation. People make mistakes. He's just like, he's putting me to the test, and I don't. I'm just clicking. Yeah. In all reality, on that flop, I just clicked because I that threw me off. I didn't know. Yeah. I should have check raised the flop if I'm going to do anything. That's the only. Th- I should have either just straight folded or check raised and folded. I put in one big blind, and I could, I could check raise and still have eight big blinds, which is still ahead of the short stack. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting spot. Super interesting. Cool. Right on. Well, uh, we have to wrap it up, but before we yep. do, uh, two things. One, I want to congratulate you because you recently uh, asked your girlfriend to marry you, right? Yeah, I did. Congratulations, Thank you. bro. Over GG. Yeah, we all we, uh, we've we've met Megan in in Vegas and on various other occasions. She's an awesome girl, so obviously very happy for you. Congratulations. Thanks, million. Yeah, congratulations, man. That, we're really happy for you. Thanks. And uh, our sympathies to Megan. Yeah, I don't know how. I, I don't know how she's put up with the grind. It's, it's quite yeah, that's that's we got. Next time we have you on, we got to talk about that because that that must be not easy for her. It's not. It's it's it is not. It's hard to leave. People say you should leave work at at work, but I'm always at work. Yeah. Right. My yeah. home is my work. So how where do you draw the line and how do you just flip the switch when you just get third and two packages to the PCA on Sunday? Uh, yeah, I exact bubbled a 11k PCA package on Sunday, and then I got to walk out in the next room and and yeah. tell her, uh, yeah, sorry, literally one person away from me and you going to the Bahamas in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, hey, um, you like this color curtain or this color curtain? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know. I don't care. Pick whichever one you want. Um, also, just... <laughs> she put up with it somehow, so... Yeah, very impressive. Well, we're obviously super happy for you, and uh, looking forward... I, I think I tweeted this the day it happened. I'm like, I'm so excited to go to Newfoundland. I think we're going down south. Sorry to burst your bubble. No! I was so excited. Yep. Maybe you can come here beforehand. I wanted to get initiated into the Newfie squad, or whatever it's called. <laughs> Newfie squad, yep. Got well, it. the thing, you said you do like a, a chant or something at the bar? I was, I don't know. Oh, yeah, you get screeched. <laughs> Get screeched in. You yeah, I was gonna get screeched in. Kiss the cod and do a shot of screech and honorary <laughs> uh, newfie. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty fun. Uh, the other thing I wanted to, to bring up before uh, we let you go is upcoming plans in terms of po- uh, you know poker outside of the online grind. I know um, you're going to PCA as you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I never won my way this weekend, but I'm gonna win, and I got my plane ticket booked anyway, so I'm gonna play regardless. Um, 
Yeah. So that should be awesome. Uh, it's a 5K this year, too. So I don't oh, know how... It? Really? I don't, yeah, yeah. Past years, it's been 10. So I I would assume it brings more saddy fish. Yeah. Well, well it, it does because I didn't realize it was a 5K, and now I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to play some saddies while I'm down there. There yeah. you go. You got your saddie fish, number one. <laughs> Confirmed saddie fish enticer. But yeah, it's it's weird because the expenses are just as much as the five K main. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So I, that's true. I think a lot of fish will look at it as, oh man, I can, you know, it's a reasonably priced tournament. Saddies are easier to easier to win. Um, maybe I can take a vacation and play a big tournament or something like that. So I don't know. Hopefully it works out and hopefully it's soft. But uh, hopefully we'll win anyway, no matter what the case is. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to seeing you down there. Obviously, definitely. Definitely. Good times. Uh, so, yeah, thanks again, Danny, for uh, for following along. Uh, many of you guys out there listening know Danny or are familiar with his story from past podcasts, but uh, I encourage you to check him out on Twitter at DannyN13. And uh, anything else to plug? Do we have anything else to plug? You still doing coaching? Um, I am. I might have room for a couple students, but, you know, Christmas is coming up and TCA and stuff. So maybe hold off, guys, or, you know, if one of two of you hits me, it's hard to turn down, not going to lie. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe in February. For sure. Um, but, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, great discussion. And, um, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yep, we'll do cool. it again. All right. Thanks, we're gonna, oh, we're and, gonna and I got that 1K Turbo Series will be out before T-Coop. Oh, yeah, that's right. Perfect timing. So, guys, yes. if you want to prep for T-Coop in January, I'll have that 1K W-Coop Turbo Series out and for your review. Yep. So, Perfect. cool. Right on. All right, thanks again, Danny. Uh, and we are going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap things up here on the Tournament Poker Edge Podcast. Congrats again, Danny. Thanks. Later, everybody. Bye. this house we moved in this house meant everything so sad a tale just lost love right that I am reading here tonight oh this house leaks in heavy rains Moans and groans and hurricanes Oh, what a comfort it would be If you would sit and talk to me In this house And for all that we, all that we invested here We settle in Nested here, so sad the days I sail slowly by with no sun in this harbor sky or in the kitchen window, living room, in the fireplace, in the evening gloom, and no one in that room upstairs. Love no longer lives up there. Welcome back to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. Big, big thank you to our old friend Danny M13. I, I say this every time he's on, but literally one of my favorite people to talk poker I with. I do. 
Love that guy. Definitely my favorite Newfie. Uh, I've yes. got it. We've thought it through. We've narrowed down the field. <laughs> Second favorite Newfie to Megan, his future wife. <laughs> no, yeah, Danny's awesome. And, uh, and it was kind of cool because those hands were super interesting. Like, there, at first, I was kind of like, oh, I don't know, this eight hand, like, it just sort of seems weird, like we're just shallow, like it's probably just a fold pre or a shove pre, one of the two. Right. And then all of a sudden you start getting into it, and you're like, okay, 40 minutes of conversation about a, a 12 big blind eight hand. Yeah, there, there's a lot to explore in those things. A lot of spots seem straightforward, but there's, there's layers of complexity. Well, especially in those super progressive knockout hands where yeah. you just add this whole other dynamic. You know, yeah, I want to play super progressive knockouts. I like, I like that. Oh man, I people ask me about super progressive knockouts all the time on my Twitch stream. Because, really? Because people watch like other streamers play them. Yeah, and they're 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 exciting for people to watch because you're kind of constantly winning money. You know? Yeah, it's right, right, like right, have, right. You don't have to sit through seven hours and then you finally you're like, oh, we're in the money now, and people can watch you like slowly ladder up. Um, so it's just a little more interesting. And people are always like, oh, would you, you know, would you like to play those, or have you ever thought about going to Plan stars so you can play those. I'm like, yes, I would pay a lot of money because <laughs> they just look so fun. Well, that goes, you know, that does go back to something we talked about before Danny was on, and you know, poker and some innovation. Um, you know, turn formats like that could, yeah. be, you know, interesting to 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 more casual players because of the fact that, well, we don't have to get on this, but I've I've always been a proponent of flatter payout structures, right? And so. Yeah. That flattens it a little bit. It, it gets people you know, more interested uh, because they're they're playing. They they you know they're they're cashing more often. So I'm I'm a fan. Um, I wish we could play him here. I really wish um, I had thought of this when Danny was on because uh, the other day somebody asked some uh, asked Jamie Staples about progressive knockouts, and I, I think I, I could be wrong. It might have been Rupert. It might have been somebody else, but. He basically said that he thought those were the future structure of all poker tournaments. Oh, wow. Someday they were all going to become some variation of that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, 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 I wish I would have asked any of that. But, yeah, it goes to what you said. Like, making the game more interesting for the viewer yep. is becoming more and more important because yep. of the way everything's changing in terms yep. of technology and the way people consume poker. Absolutely. So, yeah, I would love to play them. Hopefully, I'll get the opportunity. I won't be in the Bahamas long enough, or I would fire up stars. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to get that opportunity to set up a bank account and establish residency. Unfortunately, I'd be all over it. Yeah, <laughs> I might not go. I might not even play any tournaments at PCA. I would just sit in my hotel room and play progressive knockouts. So. Yeah, it's funny. I was in um, I was in London two weeks ago for work. Uh, I was traveling, and I was having. Uh, I wasn't able to sleep. I was jet lagged. I wasn't able to sleep. And I was like, oh, man, I should have set up a bank account. I could have played some poker here. While yeah. I, was so I wish I had thought of that because I was up from 2 a.m. to to 8 a.m. I had enough time to play a tournament. <laughs> and how great would it have been just to log in to the old Ron Fez Buddy account? Yes. Oh, my God. I would have taken some screenshots. I would have tweeted them out. Called my I, feel like, I feel like when you do it, it's gonna like it's gonna start up really slow and like this dust's gonna shoot out of your avatar. Where'd this guy come from? That's hilarious. But you know, both of us are gonna do it again someday, and it's gonna be really cool when oh. we finally get to. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't be a wait. Blast. Cool. cool. Uh, well, yeah. But thanks again to Danny for uh, stopping. Always a blast to have him on. Um, before we close this out, though, we have to talk about what's going on at TPE because lots of cool stuff happening. Yeah, a um, couple of things. The site got a new look and feel. Um, so we 
we thought it was time for an update, an upgrade on the way it looks. Uh, I think it looks real slick. Um, has great, great design. Uh, we are going to be over time upgrading a lot of the features as well. Um, the video play, video, video player. I'm not sure we're going to change a lot, but the video sorting and searching. That's all going to have a redesign. We're going to be adding things like a member's dashboard, so it's easier to find stuff that you viewed and stuff that you like, and and uh, you know search videos in a more intelligent way. So a lot of that stuff is coming, but the first stage of that was a redesign, which is which is pretty cool. Um, we organized the forum in a little more intelligent way. We just kind of categorized things. There was a lot of different sub-forums, um, and we broke them into, I think, more logical structure so people will be able to just find their way around the forum a little bit easier. And uh, we've had a couple of new pros since we last spoke. Um, so... So first off, Jace Regina, um, his series came out, uh, great, great content, um, people loving his stuff, and Birdie420, who is a, a real popular pro, um, huge, huge wins, about $2 million in online MTT uh, earnings, um, has won most of the major nightlies, um, several majors, uh, and he's he's uh, he's our latest pro as well. So we have great new content and a lot of stuff going on with the site. So it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah, people seem to be loving the new pros. I mean, obviously the two guys you mentioned, in addition to uh, IGT and Thesaurus, who came on yep. uh, right around the time we did the last podcast. Like the feedback's been great. So yeah. between the new pros and and some of the new features and sort of look and feel like you mentioned that we're rolling out, uh, never been in a better time. Yeah, really. For it's really been great. I just as as uh, someone who you know who works there, um, <laughs> it just feels invig- reinvigorated. You know, I, I I love. It just felt like it was time to do some new stuff with the site, and 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 I think all of the stuff we're, we've been doing is is panning out, and people are reacting positively to it. So. Yeah. Well, what we're only, gosh, three or four months away from six years. Is that right? Uh, what? The, the, yeah, two thousand ten. Yeah. yeah. Wow. wow. That's insane. Wow, we're going to have our seven-year itch pretty soon. That's true. You've already been podcasting with other people, so I don't know <laughs> really what else to say about it. I've moved on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too great. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm excited about it. So, yeah, if, you, if, you know, if maybe you've taken a little break or you haven't checked out the site lately or whatever, or whatever your excuse might be, yeah. uh, head over to Tournament Poker Edge and uh, get back on it. It's you know, I will say on that note – there are a lot of members re-sign up, um, I've noticed, that you yeah. get a lot of people who come back, and even when people cancel, they're like, I'll be back, I'm just taking a break, you know, one or two months, and that's that's cool, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. We yeah. all need breaks. All I mean, good. But, you know, you and I are fortunate, we don't have to cancel our membership to take a break, but, you yeah. know, some people are like, oh, you know, I'm not going to play poker for a month, yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. We we understand. We're we'll not keep, gonna we'll keep your membership. Uh, you, we keep your membership active. Well, we keep your membership inactive, but we keep it alive. And yeah. you know, when you come back, you can reclaim it and you post it there and everything. So uh, yeah, so we uh, yeah, we definitely encourage that. And um, I mean, if you have any questions about getting back signed up or anything like that, all you have to do is drop us an email: support at tournamentpokeredge dot com. We'll hook you up. Yep. Cool. cool. All right, buddy. Well, right. always good to chat. Uh, Pleasure. Do my best to your family here as we go into the holidays. You as well, and good luck in your next uh, couple of tournaments. Ship Thank something, you. please. I'm gonna try, man. Start I'm really earn, gonna try. Start earning your keep. You're on the on the site, and we need you to have uh, something to point to. It's my time. I'll, I'll move you up. Like 
in the pro list. I, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I'll do it. You know, if you if you go to TP's homepage and you look at meet our pros, <laughs> Derek and I are pretty far down there. You gotta you gotta click you gotta click a lot before you get to us. Do uh, I have to win something, or can I just like cash or final table? Yeah, you you have to win. You have to final table. Actually, you're 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 much higher up there than than uh, than I. Than I remember putting. <laughs> that I should be. Yeah, <laughs> to say it. <laughs> well, I'm actually kind of surprised. I have some edits to make on the site tonight. When we hang up. Um, I put you <laughs> uh, no, but I'll put you up higher. Okay, that's the deal. You you ship something, and I'll put you up higher. Right, stay tuned. I'm gonna win something at the circuit event next weekend. All right. Good luck. Hope oh. that hope that happens. Right on. All, all right, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody out there, for listening. You've all been amazing. Uh, we appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next time on the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. See you. Love it, it's not rough, it isn't fun, fun Oh, wow